Today's episode is brought to you by Nice Motorsports Management. Nice Motorsports Management specializes in marketing, creative, and varied support services for the motorsports and automotive industry. Basically, what that means, guys, is Nice Motorsports Management is management for racers and race programs to help you guys reach your full potential. Whether you see yourself having an opportunity in brand recognition, social media growth, selling merch at race events, or if you just want to get behind the wheel and just race and not have to worry about any of that stuff, Nice Motorsports Management can put together the perfect plan for you guys to execute and make that goal become a reality. If you guys listen to episode 71 of the Downtime with Downstar podcast, we actually had Zoe on here from Nice Motorsports Management, and he went into it a lot more in depth. So I'd advise you guys to check out that podcast and check them out on their Instagram at Nice Management. That's N-Y-C-E-M-G-M-T or on their website at NiceManagement.com. That's N-Y-C-E-M-G-M-T.com. I'm really excited about this program that they have going on and I see it being a real value to the race community. So once again, guys, that's Nice Motorsports Management at N-Y-C-E-M-G-M-T or nycemgmt.com. Now enjoy the show. Yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 78. And uh, today we have a special guest in the building, Jason Park from FCS Race. Yo, what's up? Jason, thank you for coming, man. I appreciate it's it. A pleasure. It's a pleasure. We've been trying to get you in here for a while now, dude. For a while, even like through the Huffy Talk. Release, <laughs> yeah, right? you're like, right. God, man. It wasn't like we were trying to dodge each other. I think it was just we were just both mixed yeah, up in dude. a bunch of life, right? Yeah. No, sometimes life happens, man. Yeah. And just being two, two small business owners, yeah. like... The every second of every day is allocated to something. Yeah. And it's hard just to get away, especially you live, it's probably like an hour. Yeah, it's like 45 minutes, yeah. but you know. So either way, an hour there, hour back, plus the time we spent at lunch and then yeah. chilling here, that's a good portion of your day, man. And I always say that I, I respect and appreciate people's time. So I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you, man, for doing this, man. It takes a lot of courage to do this. You Thank know? you, bro. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm I, not going to lie. I'm a little nervous, but I think uh, it's pretty comfortable with you. you Thank know, you, man. We've known each other for a long time. Yeah, so. I think that that's what helps out a lot. And that's that's something that I have to work on every day is I have to make the guests comfortable. Yeah, sure. I, I have to think of this podcast as like a home and i'm inviting somebody to my home and we're gonna have a nice time it's not in their responsibility to make it a nice time it's on my responsibility collectively yeah to make it a nice time like the 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 surroundings or your uh your backdrop is pretty fucking cool man thank you bro i appreciate it man yeah i just i'm vibing it it just came out of nowhere, bro. I built this setup for a show. That's the best way, right? Yeah. That's, that's honestly like the most genuine, best way that's just fucking winging it, right? Dude, it just we, comes out into something. We built this for uh, Tuner Tuner Evolution in February. I've seen the, that. The yeah. dimensions work perfect for this room. <laughs> it's so weird. So it worked. And it's kind of yeah. like we were talking about off air about how, how I actually even managed to come into this yeah. podcast yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know, it was... It was the natural evolution of me going live and then starting Huffy Talk and then starting sure. this. It, it was the evolution and it I didn't even see it 
at yeah. first. I just knew that I this was kind of like it's just a drawn toward drawn just, toward. Yeah, you're it. just uh, it's infectious. You know, you just like there's certain things that just you're obsessed of. You know, like you just kind of things just certain things just click. Right? Yeah, like you don't know why, but you just like totally about it. You know. Yeah. When we're, when we're talking about that coming from lunch. Yeah. It's that uh, res thing we we're talking mm-hmm. about, right? It's yeah. Like once you want something and you like, you don't know why, but you just kind of always envision it all the time, and you see it out in the streets when you never even noticed it before, but it was yeah. always there, you know. So. I think w- uh, one thing that is very valuable is being able to uh, see opportunities, and of course. and that's what I've really been trying to focus on: seeing opportunities, and then having enough balls to go after it and not have to listen to anybody else or need anybody else's opinion or anything like that you know minus my wife because we're we're a team (laughs) you know so i don't want to do some shit that she's not happy about sometimes the team player (laughs) though they don't really vibe too much but you know um whether you play offense or defense you know you're always on the same team regardless with your other you know yeah I don't necessarily have a title to a wife yet, but she she is my wife, Sandy. I love her to death. Mm-hmm. She's um, she whether she knows it or not, she's my backbone. So yeah, she uh, she pushes me. I push her back. That's I, good, man. That that's definitely good. It's really hard to find not not even just a, a good significant other in this sure. time, but just good people to have around you that yeah, are going to motivate you and push you forward. I think that's what we're all seeking to do, right? Just to find uh, common ground with other people you know just yeah kind of like vibing with them and that's what life is yeah you, you meet a ton of people through a closer through the course of your life you run into a ton of people like i mean i have a ton of close friends and i have uh, even more so <laughs> of people that i know that i can literally go up to and shake yeah. hands with you know and then the internet happened and now you have people that support you more than your <laughs> yeah. own fucking circle. And you don't even know these. You never even shake these guys' hands before. Not like I'm or I like have so much gratitude toward that. It's because the support that I have from people that I don't even know is unbelievable. Yeah. Right. So and I just want to thank them. You know, those guys are just those guys are the true like friendships that I have online. You know what I mean? And whether or not you can see other people like face to face that you might think that they're really close to you or whatever, they might just have most of the time they just have agendas. You know? Yeah, it's fucking weird. It's, uh, a lot of that agendas, maybe jealousy, insecurities. Yeah. A lot of things. A lot of things come into play when you have close friends yeah. or people that you grew up with. But sure. somebody from across the country that just seen you grow up, like I have people that tell us all the time, you know, I'm I'm happy for you. And I'm like, damn, that's dope for you to say that. Absolutely. I it just wish that somebody else that yeah. I knew that, that they've seen me actually yeah. grow, I wish they they would say yeah. the same thing to me. But it's dope to have have people like that supporting from all around. And um, what's crazy about it is, is my son, he just got back from soccer camp. And I didn't know it, but at the soccer camp, there was people from all around the world there, like even some kids from Brazil that Holy went. Holy shit, really? That's so cool. he's like, I met, I didn't even meet anybody from close by. Everybody was from different states. Yeah. And and I was like, well, did you get their number? He's like, yeah, but I don't know when I'll ever see him again. I said, dude, that's not what it's about. <laughs> it's This is the different day and age. Like, yeah. you don't have to see him. 
You yeah. can text them. You could be friends online, and you can you can encourage era. everybody. And you don't have to physically be next yeah. to anybody. It's not like that anymore. Like yeah, when we grew crazy. up, it's like you know, growing up. I think our generation was like the most beneficial out of all. Right? Yeah, because during our childhood, we actually lived our childhood. We actually got to go out and stay out all fucking day, yep. all night. And not come home until the sun went down. And your parents didn't know what the fuck you got into. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and half the time, you would lie about it. You know? you just yeah. like, oh, yeah. I was at uh, such and such's house. You <laughs> yeah. know? And you're, you're off in the fucking next city, like, <laughs> yeah. on your BMX fucking riding around, like, yeah. 15 miles from your house. And they're just like, oh, yeah, he was just down the street. Nah, ma. Yeah. And I started to say, uh, if you ever listen to this podcast, yeah. <laughs> I went pretty fucking far with the bike. Let me yeah, tell you. dude, we we used to do so much shit, and I think it was maybe yeah. a mutual respect kind of thing. Sure, I knew that you know. that my mom would be worried about me if she didn't hear from me. Of course. So if I left, say on, on a Saturday in the morning, oh, mom, I'm gonna go skating with my friends. I made sure that I would just call her every few hours. Oh, I'm over here. Oh, okay, I'm over here. Oh, okay. But in between that, that shit didn't matter as long as I didn't die. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I could just be out yeah, doing got, whatever. <laughs> got into some fucked up shit, that's for sure. Yeah, but yeah. you're right, dude. We were on the perfect the the perfect the timeline. Sequence line, yeah. yeah. It's like eighty nine to like ninety-eight, two thousand. That was the crazy time, like where we got to live our childhood and then we got to live in the digital era when it became what it is today and it's yeah a very short window of how we are from there and now you know what i mean like yeah think about it we used to communicate on pay phones then it turned into pagers and then we used to text through pager oh shit. remember the coding yeah. <laughs> that shit was fucking awesome yeah right and <clears throat> to get by i think there was so many times where, dude remember those phone uh those phone chats like the like you would call a number yeah, and it would be, a be voice, mad people on it'd there. It'd be a voicemail service. And like, you know, they were like fucking I don't know, dude. There was like a fucking Asian chat room and there was like all kinds of different like gangster rooms and shit. You yeah. remember just like you would pass the time using the phone at home, even on the payphone, like you were just bored as shit. You know, it only costed like a fucking nickel or ten cents to make a call back then. I don't even know what it was. I feel old now, but <laughs> you would call and you'd like hear all these people messages and you could leave one if you wanted to. Or yeah. Like, people would bang on that shit like gangsters. And I'd be like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Shit is crazy, you know? So and then it turned into like pager coding. That was uh, that was a crazy way of uh, communication, right? You would just call on any payphone, put yeah. in a, a pager code like hey where you at in numbers and yeah. you can read it i don't even know i don't even remember i'm pretty sure i can catch on really pretty quick if we did it on paper yeah but then that turned into that and then and then we got into cars and shit and then uh then the cell phone came and that just changed everything well the internet i think more so changed a lot too because yeah. the aol chat rooms were lit dude back then hell yeah dude I always talk about yeah. that, man. Those and were even such the forums, good times. like, fuck, man. I can I can honestly say with humility is that Honda Tech saved my fucking life. I can really? Tell you that yeah. So before we get into that, because I, I, that's something that I definitely wanted yeah. to talk to you about. 
Um, for everybody listening that's not familiar with you, can you just give us a quick breakdown of, of what you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Jason Park. Uh, I'm the owner and I guess manager of FCS Race. We just pretty much started from uh, doing hydraulic hose and fittings and fluid transfer systems to now doing full race car suspension. Very niche line. Yeah. For the Honda market, obviously. And, and um, you know, we're just passionate about anything that has fucking four wheels you know hell yeah i love it all you know good dude we'll we'll definitely get there um i like i was telling you uh at lunch i don't want the podcast to be known as an automotive podcast but naturally most of the guests are going to be automotive because that's where most of my time's been for the last 10 years sure and building all these relationships but when you build these relationships you get to know that uh parker from fcs isn't just a business owner it's a dude behind it that grew up a certain way and managed to create his own company so maybe we could touch on that a little bit on on your uh early childhood and some of the things that kind of led you to this direction today man i know that's a long question but there's a lot lot to fit in there's a lot (laughs) to fit in there well to be honest, I think it was always there, right? Um, as far back as I can remember, I think the most vivid moments in my, I guess, starting of my career with without even knowing it was a career was about like five years old, six years old. Um, I had a neighbor named Stephen Carter, and his dad, uh, Bill Carter, used to um, race boats, like, Jet boats to drag boats to anything that was underwater that had fucking obnoxious amounts of power. Yeah. That's what it was. And um, I remember, God, man, we moved into this neighborhood in Canoga Park right next to the Tobago Mall. Uh, if anybody is listening from the valley, um, <clears throat> I grew up right there most of my childhood. And my neighbor, when they moved in, was about like 983. 84. I was like three years old, four mm-hmm. years old, but I couldn't remember that far. I remember about when I was like five and a half, six. That's probably about the furthest I could remember, you know? Yeah. And I always remembered being in his garage, always fucking shit up and getting into trouble, you know? Like the same shit my son is going. My son is my living karma, I swear <laughs> to God. Like we were all up in there mixing up the bolts, just like fucking dicking with carburetors unscrewing the carburetor screws which we didn't know at the time was a complete no-no yeah but we were just like oh a fucking flathead screwdriver fits in this and we would just turn it and fuck up the tune-ups and like <laughs> no shit yeah dude these motors oh, are all on damn. crates and they're all on engine stands and we're just like oh yeah fucking just fucking shit up you know oh shit and his dad would just be livid but <clears throat> it was a great learning experience because I first learned about tools and like what wrenches were and sockets and ratchets and three eighths quarter. Yeah, I was like, I would learn all the terminologies when I was super young, like five, six years old. And it only snowballed from there because my dad was a general contractor and he was a carpenter. So at first when obviously, you know, we were immigrants and they they made their truck from Korea. I'm Korean. Mm -hmm. My background is uh, Korean. So they came here. Probably about, uh, I think, 78 or something like that, 79. I was born in 1980. So um, early on, they didn't, you know, 
immigrants were just labor workers, right? Yeah. And they were just doing that. And my dad was a carpenter and he got really good at it. And he was uh, doing a lot of things with his hands. He would just build cabinets and staircases and doors and shit in the garage from home. And um, I was always around that, you know? So, like, mechanically and, like, knowing, like, rulers, I've learned all that at an early age, like, which I still use today, you know? So, and my mother was, um, she used to work at this place called Magnetech, which was, like, a a private aerospace company that built uh, radar systems for uh, the F-14 Tomcat and, and, like, the Phoenix and the Sidewinder missiles. Like, all the infrared programs and stuff like that. The heat signature radar stuff. Gotcha. My mom literally built those microchips in there. Oh, wow. Like, thousands of them. So, that's why I was always fascinated about aircraft and Top Gun. And that's why it kind of snowballed into my race car naming Ghost Rider and the whole Top Gun thing. Because I was yeah. fucking obsessed, right? That's, like, one of my all-time, fa- all-time favorite movies. But growing up in this was... Mainly because of my neighbor. He was literally lived one door away from me, you know, like a house split between our, yeah. our our yards. So I get to play in there, go to boat races, like pretty much every weekend, you know, and we'll go jet skiing or whatever it might be. Well, I, I pretty much grew up on the lake, you know, um, so that was really cool. And then uh, we all got at that time, we were all into BMXs, too. And I was like, you know. A fucking BMX nerd back then. And then, you know, skating was pretty big back then, too. But I didn't get into skating until about, I was like 12. You know, when it was really hot. Like, Hosoi and, like, Bones Brigade and Tony Hawk and, like, that whole dope-ass 80s era. It was so sick, you know? Like, God, man. Like, the stories those guys tell now, even, like, some of the documentaries they have, is fucking fascinating you know like i i can't think enough that i was born in the fucking 80s <laughs> yeah no definitely if you think about it man think about when uh another yeah. sport say golf right sure there had to be people that started golf yeah. and then there had to be that early culture and then yeah. learning experiences different clubs came out whatever and now golf is what it is today but we we are like a part of all of these different cultures like skating or cars or whatever we're yeah. those 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 cultures are so um set in in their literally in their infancy yeah and who knows where it'll be in the next 20 30 years and when, when we get to that point Once then we can like tell people boards and shit you know <laughs> yeah. like remember we we're talking about that alien shit today? yeah oh man i'd love to touch up on that too man. oh we definitely will it's, on my, it's on my shit, list dude. back to the future is gonna fucking happen you hear that <laughs> i'm gonna say it now on record fucking back to the future is gonna happen okay well if we could get into that shit real quick dude. <laughs> back to the future you're talking about time travel yeah even time travel okay because like the shit that i've heard recently on like joe rogan's podcast and all that shit Mm -hmm. is definitely plausible now for what they were talking about yeah you know what i mean like bending space and time from ufos and shit and like that bob lazar thing yeah holy fuck that was a really good episode oh man it was like probably one of the most entertaining for me because like I believe in that shit. Yeah. You can call me batshit crazy or whatever. But it's a very big world out there, you know, of oh, yeah. billions and billions of constellations, you know? Like I um 
I'm actually gonna watch it because I listen to you it, but to. it's a different dynamic when you watch, watch it. it. Yeah, sure. Um, but so, so say time travel, right? I've thought about this so much, and mm-hmm. I've mentioned it on past podcasts. How how I see pod or how I see time travel is, I mean, through through the lens of everything that I know about reality, how things work. I mean, maybe things can can get. Maybe once you're prevented or presented with more information, sure. then you can go from there. But looking at it right here, say if you wanted to go back to 1990, say you want to go back. Okay, I want to go back to 1990 to a certain date or whatever. Yeah. Whatever significant happened, you want to go back to that. When as soon as you land right there and you have all of your memories that you've obtained to this point right now, the entire future changes. So you can you can go back in time, but saying that we're going to have this conversation in the future is pretty much not going to happen and it could happen but it's not going to be on the same exact time timeline everything is changing what you're going to affect children that are born nieces nephews relationships that you have friends you're changing everything because you're changing the person that you were back then which means that you're going to change the way that you would deal with certain situations the way that you everything completely different once you know that that's available yeah so you would get you would go back to that point but from that point on everything would be different which i feel like most people the reason that they want to time travel is just to go back to change one instance to change something I don't think if it was time, if time travel was a thing, I think it would be more so not being able to change anything, but to just to view it in that context. You know what I mean? Like almost like uh, not VR, but like AR augmented reality mm-hmm. or VR, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever that realm of definition is. Yeah. Is like going back and then you can almost view it in your own perspective but okay. you can't change anything you know what I mean? so you're you're like an like a, like a, a ghost or something Almost just watching like that, it happen in your own body you know like gotcha. you can do it but then you know that the like you know it's like almost like a dream state kind yeah of deal, you have know? you watched black mirror no I oh my god you've never watched black mirror no. dude you I don't ha- have a lot of time to watch it you have to make time yeah. tonight yeah okay so yeah. this 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 whole series there's like five seasons out now oh, but the fuck. seasons are really short you're talking yeah. okay the last season was just three episodes each one is maybe four or five episodes gotcha. the seasons but it talks about so much of this kind of stuff so one episode is that they've uh they've released a technology that you either get it implanted in you or I forget. I think it might be a contact that, that you wear. But anyways, it, it'll pop up That's a screen or something like yeah. that. So say that I'm like, oh, shit. When are me and Jason going to do the um, the podcast? And, okay, I talked to him then. So it actually, you, I can actually see the memory of how I seen it at that time. <laughs> where when we were on the phone or whatever. So I'm just like, okay, cool. Oh, okay, it was that time. So you can recall your yeah. memories like a file. That's, that seems so abusive, though, dude. Because then you'd be like, oh, man, I forgot to do that. Oh, I'll just go back in time. Well, it's like, it. like <laughs> anything. Well, no, you wouldn't be able to change it. Okay. Oh, so it's just gotcha. reviewing it like a file. Gotcha. So I see that maybe being something that, that would be plausible in the near future. Because there's so many times that there's memories that I think that I forgot about. But when I talk to somebody else and I say, you don't remember that? And they start bringing up certain things. Yeah, remember yeah, we yeah, were yeah. here? And then, boom, 
comes back clicks, why you know? does that happen because that file is still in my brain somewhere yeah. but it's it's clouded it's hidden by something else sure. that that I, i'm not being able to to I, access it i think when you get older that's just natural <laughs> yeah <laughs> because you're just overwhelmed with so many things you know especially as a business owner you're you know it is, man. It's twenty four seven. Yeah. Shit, dude. So um, I want to I want to dive more into aliens and all that in a yeah. little while. Yeah. But let's so let, let's let's go uh, back into the story. Yeah, like that's how I started. You know, well, obviously we veered way off course, but um, yeah, it started when I was early age, and then um, was just always around fucking loud automotive shit. You know. Like, so what what made what made you go towards automotive rather than boats? Um. I think it was just the accessibility of it, right? Because I was young, mm-hmm. you know? Like, um, we, it's like you take things for granted when you go all the time, you know what I mean? Like, we used to be at Castake all, like, I, I can almost assume, like, every other weekend, like, I would be at the lake, you know? So, I had a very fucking awesome childhood, man. I, we would do that, and then his dad would have bikes, and, like, he had a 91 uh oh no 89 i think it was an 89 irock it was the, like the baddest fucking car Fuck, i've ever yeah. thought in the world yeah like, i looked at it it said irock on the side it looked <laughs> so hard you know it was all black had chrome wheels you're just like dude drooling all these things just six seven years old you know and then um yeah just being around that all the time i think kind of implanted my brain to be like that's that's something that you're probably going to get into later mm-hmm. So as time went by, obviously we moved. Um, I think we had a big earthquake at that time, eighty-seven or eighty-six or eighty-seven. Really? The, In the early eighties? Yeah, man. No? Eighty-six, eighty-seven. We had a fucking large one. They're they're claiming it was like a six something, but that motherfucker was like a seven. I've point never two. even heard of that one. Yeah, eighty-six, man. It oh was, wow! It would happen like exactly, I believe, at eight in the morning. Where was um, the epicenter at? We were watching Thundercats on TV. <laughs> I remember this. It was Thundercats or it was just changing into Voltron uh-huh. at the time. And I don't know where the epicenter was. I know it was definitely in the valley. And at that time, I was in Canoga Park. And I used to go to this uh, elementary school down the street. We used to walk down there. And I used to go to Steven's house and we would get ready. We'd eat breakfast, cereal, whatever it might be. And then the maid would pretty much get our stuff ready and we would just leave walk by ourselves this is the time where we could go to school by ourselves like three or four blocks away and kids are walking everywhere and crossing major streets and everything is like normal now it's like you can't even let your kids out for fucking five minutes out your gate before you're freaking out (laughs) so at that time we were doing that and then uh um i moved um like 91 i think I, i moved out from there um after the earthquake a lot of shit got fucked up and it wasn't too bad but um you know evolved parents get more money and we moved to a nicer neighborhood we went to northridge porter ranch mm-hmm. basically I, where i'm still at today mm-hmm. uh, moved up there and then uh almost never left right but here and there um but close by so <clears throat> moving up there um at that time my cousins like kevin and uh Jimmy and a couple other guys that uh, that were their friends were like into Hondas, mm-hmm. like '91 Honda Prelude SIs and like Accords were hot back then with the flip up headlights, yeah. right? And they used to cut the springs on this because nothing was available, and they wanted to be like low rider, like the old school classics, you know? That yeah. was kind of like the thing. So I used to always watch them like 
take apart their car and like cut springs and i was like what the fuck are they doing you know like, and these were your cousins yeah 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 and <clears throat> and uh eventually that kind of like snowballed into what the industry is today man you know like back then it was much more simpler times you could say but uh a lot more labor intensive right yeah you would have to put in the work to do something creative right it wasn't like I just order this shit on a magazine and then have it delivered, you know? It was never nothing like that back then, you know? Yeah. Um, we didn't have the the convenience of the internet and two-day free shipping and shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't have that no more. Uh, or at least back then. So, and that, I think that's when I was, like, really just all about it, you know? Like, I loved it. And know? what age was this at? It was, like, 12. Okay. 11, 12, 13. And then, you know, like I was saying earlier... Um, my whole wall, like I didn't own a poster or nothing. Right. I was like the fucking obsessive kid that used to go to the store and like whatever, whatever money I could steal out of the piggy bank at home. And I would go down to the store, buy a magazine for like a dollar 95 thing or like a dollar 95 or something back then. Right. Yeah. Pay two bucks and get a turbo magazine or at that time, I think it was a sport compact car. And I would go to dealerships, ride my bike to the dealership, you know, fucking Colby Honda, like down, like, dude, that shit is far, like on Reseda, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I used to live up in Tampa and Cessnon, okay, yeah. like Tampa Rinaldi is where my house was. And if you know the, you know, the area, Colby Honda was like Reseda and Roscoe and Satakoy, you know, that shit was like across town, you know. And I was like 11 years old, 12 years old at that time, I think, when I first started going out. <laughs> And like getting all these brochures, you know, and then cutting out the brochures, like, and lowering the vehicle, yeah, like, cutting around <laughs> the fender and the tire line perfectly, you know, with like a with like a razor blade, like an exacto knife, because yeah. I had access to those from my mother, because she used a lot of that building radars in, uh-huh. in 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 house, you know, so I would cut them all out nice and drop them and then retape them back on the backside so the car looked like it was slammed on the ground. (laughs) It was rad, you know? And I would put it on the wall. Like, I would pin up all these cars on the wall. And it just became my reality when I did that. Without me even knowing, like, on a subconscious level, I was like, I had Lisa Kubo's piece of shit. Sorry, no disrespect (laughs) to you, Lisa. Shout out to Lisa. Yeah, shout out to Lisa (laughs) Barry, man. I had her car and it was like a 11 second like Civic, like a teal Civic. And I thought it was the baddest thing on earth because it had racing art type C's on there. And I was like, oh, you know, like fucking those are the baddest wheels on ever. So I had all those dudes cars on there. Ed Bergenholz's car and just like vet lambs and like Dude, you name it, like, if it was in the magazine and it was a Honda, it was on my wall, you know? And it would change a lot, you know, through the course of, yeah, you know, the evolution of the magazine, right? And you get bigger and better cars or whatever, and then those posters would come down, and then new Lisa's new car would go up. And then, you know, it's like, I I was that kid, you know? That, that shithead kid was just, like, totally, completely obsessive about Hondas and then drag racing and I think I first witnessed when I first got the bug was I went to a street race in 93. Um, and it changed my life forever, dude. Like, I was like, dude, what the fuck is this shit in San Fernando Road? Is that Plumber? That was, no, that's San, San Fernando, Fernando Road, Road off the five. 
okay. on Roxford. Is is that a known race spot? Oh yeah, that was probably the known for the San Fernando Valley. You Got know? you. The that only one like that I was really familiar with was Plummer. That's that's the that, well, that, that I'm familiar that happened with. way that happened a decade later. Dude. Got you. That Got like ninety three. No, actually, it happened probably like a little like six or seven years after that. But okay. I used to steal my mom's car out of the garage to go there when I was like 13, 14 years old. And you would drive? I would drive no her BMW. Way. I swear to God. I Hand to God, dude. I wouldn't literally. <laughs> She's probably going to kill me after she listens to this. Uh, I used to s- sneak out like 11, 30, 12, right? When she would go to bed. Christian, do not listen to this. <laughs> Turn it off now. And you know the garage, that little pull hanger? <laughs> yeah, the red I would one. Go click, right? <laughs> and I would click it loose, like put it in neutral, and then roll up the garage, right? Like, Bruh. And the garage wasn't a roll-up doors. These were old-school doors where it just was solid door, you yeah. know? And before, when I used to do it, I'd be like, dude, the fucking springs would make too much noise. So I would WD-4 them, like WD-40, and just get them all lubed up so they wouldn't make any noise. I would retrofit the garage door oh, so that shit. it would roll up so smooth that you couldn't even hear the shit, right? And I would do that every fucking Friday night, dude. And I would steal my mom's BMW, dude, and go to the street races. I shit you not, dude. It was the wow. most raddest thing ever. Um, Who were you with? By yourself, dude. Or? By myself, dude. Fuck. I didn't care, dude. I was that. Uh, I was that kid, bro. I was fucking a maniac, dude. And um, at that time, I started uh, hanging around with the Infinite Crew. Oh like, shit! I was just around that. I used to get picked up by like Scotty and them at junior high, like when I lived in the valley. Like, dude. Like Jiffer, you know Jiffer. Mm-hmm. Like I was around no that whole crew, dude. Way. Like the young little shithead that used to like never go away. I was that dude, you know, because Scotty had like a badass '91 C- uh, Civic. It was dumped, you know. And back then, we we're like yeah. stealing wheels and shit, and like we're getting into all kinds of shit, man. You know, dude, that's crazy that you bring that up because I uh, I just had uh, Guillermo on here. Yeah, um, yeah, everybody listening, Guillermo from GPR Auto, and we were just reminiscing about back in the day, and uh, dude, you got away with so much shit back in the day. It's dude, unbelievable. <laughs> we 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 were um we were talking about like Anthony and Infinite Wheels, yeah, and dude, just hanging out with all those guys. Like that was such a that good was time, the crew, bro. dude. Yeah, like hanging out in the SNS homes, and the reason why I got access to this because I lived in the SNS homes. What is SNS? SNS is the private gated community kind of deal up okay. on Tampa and Cessna. Like, okay. Okay. We I lived there. Jeremy Lukowski was like ten doors down from me. Mm-hmm. Um, John Cho, which is one of the other guys from Infinite that has that badass RX seven that was on the Hoonigans. Okay. I pretty much grew up with him around the whole thing. We used to lower cars on his driveway. Like, dude, I didn't even have I used to ride my bike to their house, you know, like I didn't have a car, you know? Yeah. I wasn't, I was too young, but I used to always go to the street races and just be all about that. Cause they would go every chance they get to. And, um, I think there, that's where originally I like completely went obsessive after that. You know. So you say that your first, um, your first race is what kind of opened your eyes and made you fall in love with it. 
Well, I was always in love with anything automotive, right? From an early age. So it just naturally fit. But once I went to a street race, it was over. Do you remember the race? Dude, it wasn't a race. It was just the the, the natural like crowd that it brought. Yeah. It was so fucking fascinating to me. Like just watching thousands of people. This was not like a few cars. These were... 500 1000 cars like like coming down the bridge wow. would be traffic going to a illegal street race yeah that's crazy you know what i mean that's like pulling up to a fucking honda day for a street race yeah that's what i shit you not i hand to god that's what it was wow and daryl bacon was there and it was like turbo fucking downpipe out the back tony fuchs like all the big names, dude. Like we're street racing. There are race cars that they were racing on the track on that street. That's wow. how iconic it was, you know. So back in these days, who are the um, the most influential guys or people that you looked up to, or maybe like if there's one one person, who <clears throat> who, who would it be? God, that's a loaded question, man. I've I've looked at so many people, but. <laughs> I think in person at that time was Jeremy Lukowski. Like, I was close to him. Like, it was like, he was a fucking, I could throw a rock at his fucking window. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he was just uh, always about it. And I think when we first originally met was in 96, 97, when I first originally got my car. I bought uh, a brand new Integra GSR off the lot, keys right in Van Nuys. And... Um, my dad put down down payment for me and I fucking chirped that motherfucker right out the driveway. Like yeah. instant, my mom's like, how do you know how to drive stick? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I've been driving your BMW since I was 13, mom. Yeah, what are you yeah, talking dude, about? I swear. <laughs> I like, um, well, I, my cousins taught me, you know, like I was like nine years old. I, I learned how to drive stick when I was like 10. Really? Know? Like, yeah. Like driving a car. 10 years old. That's fucking legit, like, bro. Hell sitting yeah. on the edge of the seat, like with the steering wheel on my fucking neck and like gassing and dropping the clutch, you know? So how do you feel about um, your son driving? When are you going to start teaching him? He's already driving. Really? Yeah, he's been driving. God, man, even, you know, <clears throat> it's not necessarily driving, but you buy him a power wheels when he's like two. Yeah. To try to get him into it. Now that guy was like. The kid was like drifting his power wheels when he was like three and a half. I remember four, seeing those dude. videos, like doing donuts and shit. Yeah, like naturally, like, like it was just kind of like, where the hell did you get this from? <laughs> yeah, I, I could, I guess you could say I forced it on him, but I didn't like force him to do certain things with it. You know, um, he just picked it up because the power of YouTube. You know, you'd watch a video, and you would like try to copy it, just like how we did anything we watched. Like, looked at skate magazines, and we're like, dude, I want to ollie. Yeah. I want to fucking land that six-foot, you know, jump off your BMX, and then you go out and you try it, you know? Yeah. Just because what you're just, you know, what you view is what you try to do if you're into it, you know? So, I think uh, the biggest influence was always being around that crew you know that like everybody fed off each other you know we'd always to go street racing it was always a fun time you know what i mean oh yeah Yeah. dude there's those are some of the best memories of my life going to the street races yeah Yeah. there's some good and there's some bad you know but 
collectively it was an awesome awesome experience it, it molded me to the person that i am now you know so every every experience does that for you yeah too, right yeah right. so you um you got what when did you get your first car 96 96 i think it was may 96 about right a little bit before my birthday and I didn't even go to driving school. Remember, there was driving school. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they still have that. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like you, you still to have to, to driving do it. school. Yeah. You had to do like do all this course and amount certain amount of I'm hours. I'm pretty sure it's the same thing now. Yeah, I bought my shit. Really? Yeah, <laughs> I paid fucking two hundred and fifty bucks to some Korean driving school place, and fucking signed my permit off. Walked right into the DMV, and they gave us like a full on cheat sheet, and like. Like, I don't know how they did it, but there's like three tests, A, B, and C mm-hmm. or something back then. And they would give you all the answers to it. So you just memorize these sheets. And then I walked in. I Dude, I didn't even get one question wrong, dude. And I got my permit like instantly, right? Yeah. And then I took my driving test. But unfortunately, the first time I took it, I failed. The It was just, she was just not having it. You know what I mean? She was in a bad mood or something, fucking probably going through some fucking fucked up shit in her life yeah <laughs> she just took it out on me you know it was about parallel parking i parked that bitch perfect and i was like bitch you didn't even know i've been driving since i was like seven years old this bitch, you know? <laughs> i know what that's i'm doing my, that's my vibe right that's, that's what i think yeah whether or not it happened i don't know it's all it's all relative but um anyhow i went the next two weeks they gave me another schedule and i passed it with flying colors no problem got my license and i think as soon as i got my license i went straight to the dealership my dad uh put money down and i had to take care of the payments so at that time it was you know i don't know about now but we had to work for our earning yeah so what did you do for money uh dude to be honest with you it was some pretty fucked up shit um i used to steal wheels back then to be (laughs) frankly honest yeah (laughs) and i used to sell them so people would be like, hey, dude, I need a set of GSRs, you know, like GSRs, SIs, Del Sol rims. So people would just put the wish list in with you and dude, you get to go yeah. hunting? And I was around the people like that were wanting them, you know, mm-hmm. like I was just still in it. So um, I did that for a short period, but it was kind of crazy because I made so much money doing it. You know, I would sell them for 400 bucks a set mm-hmm. and it would literally take me like, I think it was like a game to me at that one point where I was like, how fast can I do this? You know? Yeah. And I would like literally stop watching myself with a fucking Casio watch. And I would, the fastest time I ever fucking took a set, I think it was like two minutes, dude. Two minutes. I would like go, like, hence, I do not do this anymore. Okay. Just past <laughs> the statute of limitations. I'm very, very sorry for those people <laughs> that I've done them to. I promise, I swear, I've lived this karma i promise you i do not do this bro i wouldn't even trip i've had so many conversations with people and they've all done the same shit crazy right and but like publicly i'm saying like (laughs) i've done this right it's just it's just wild yeah they don't say it publicly but let's do it like i'm 13 years old doing this shit like dude i'm not i'm not proud of myself but hey it got me to where i am yeah so i would literally like break into like 91 accords because they were the easiest and i didn't take anything out of the car but the stock jack, mm-hmm. I would just go in there, grab the stock jack and the tool equipment, and I just needed to get four of them, right? Yeah. So when I would go and bust out on these cars, I would run in, break all the lug nuts loose, 
and then chill out, make sure everybody's like, yeah. can't hear nothing. Because you make quite a bit of noise cracking lug nuts, you know. Then once they're all loose, then I would literally go in there and I would have um, like a ratchet and a long little extension. And I would just fucking use it so fast to where I could take a lug nut off in like a second, you know. Yeah. And I would take all three lug nuts off and leave one so that the car wouldn't fall over. And then I would just use four jacks and just and just lift the whole car up and take all the wheels and leave. So you would have to get into cars to get the jacks? Yeah, just the jacks. Why wouldn't you just get like a rock or something? Because it would be too much time. If I had four jacks on four corners, all I would have to do is take the one wheel off, roll up the next Mm -hmm. side, take that wheel off, roll up the next side, roll up the next side, and then I'm gone. Gotcha. Before you know it, because then when you have a rock and you only have one jack, you have to drop the jack well, then, back down. No, what what I'm saying is, why would you use the jacks? Because every time that you would have to do another another job, you would have to get more jacks. Yeah, right. Sure. That wasn't an issue. No. No. Hmm. So that's the that's the crook side of me. Got you. <laughs> Thirteen years old, but, dude. Man, I felt so terrible after. You know. When like, did you start feeling bad for it? Like right away. Really? Yeah. I was a churchgoer, man. Yeah. I used to pray a lot. <laughs> and I think, I guess it worked because I never really got any repercussion from it. But I'm sure I, I lived it, you know? Somehow. Yeah. Somehow, some way it got back to me for sure. Because I do definitely believe in the karma situation, you know? So I live and breathe that. So yeah. I'm always positive. I'm always trying to seek help. And I think that's somewhat of my wrongdoings. For me to be that way you know yeah but some of the guys that are listening right now or will listen to this know exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> because they did the same thing yeah i'm just i have enough humility to just speak it you know yeah yeah which is dope man it's yeah. dope to be able to talk about yeah. that stuff because it shows the, like that shit was like my first like adrenaline rush experience right and somebody that you know very well taught me how to do this shit okay which i'm not gonna name any names but you know who i'm talking about (laughs) okay we're gonna talk we're gonna have a fun conversation about this but um yeah very highly respected in the game taught me how to do that yeah (laughs) which is crazy i mean when it comes down to is like by any means you know you gotta do what you gotta do and at that time that's what i had to do and that's how i made money my mom never really questioned it you know um so now Maybe we're, it was just supposed to be that way. <laughs> if, if everything got you to where you are today, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's just like the time travel thing. You it's can't experiences. Yeah, you you, know. you've gotten to this point. Everything is how how it is for you now. Sure. So if you were to change that, what you did back in the day, who's who knows if you would even be here. here? Yeah, because it helped me pay for the car that I loved. You know. Yeah, it got me to do the things that I always done wanted to do i think after i got it, i think it was two days later i got it impounded for racing for being at the street races just being there yeah being there because they they raided it mm-hmm. and they blocked everybody off and i was 16 so i was a minor so they fucking pulled me over they gave me every fucking my i think my ticket was like eight citations long dude. wow they gave me a uh curfew ticket a c- cigarette ticket because I had cigarettes, I was smoking at the time. I started, at sixteen, I was smoking when I was twelve. Oh started shit! When I was 12. Yeah, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. me a heart attack. My son's twelve, bro. The first lit cigarette I lit was uh, this. Well, at the time, I don't know which which gang that he was from, but I used to always hang around like Reseda and Satakoy. 
And there was some, like West Side Reseda there and a bunch of other dudes. And this one Asian cat, I forgot his name, but I used to meet him all the time because that's when the street street fighter days were going on, you mm-hmm. know? And we would go at different 7-Elevens getting games off. Like, they would be like, oh, we're going to be at the 7-Eleven. You come through, whatever. You want to fucking match me, you know? <laughs> that's what the, I got into a street, uh, street Fighter 2 kind of obsession, too. You know? Yeah. That was like my other. So I still have one. I bought one. It's in my freaking shop right now. No way. Yeah, I never play it, but <laughs> I got it. Yeah, I had to get it. But, but yeah, man. I uh, started that when I was 12. So it's in uh, you know, thank God I stopped. You know, I stopped. Uh, I think I'm smoke free uh, since 14, so like five years, five years straight. Cold no turkey. way! Yeah. Oh I, shit! I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking. Dope. Everything. Like, you haven't drank no. since then. Oh, That's man. awesome, bro! Congratulations, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I well, not drink. Yeah, not not drink since then. I do have occasional drink, but I literally stopped. Like I used to drink fucking crazy. Got you. Know, you. Like, we used to drink on a Monday and end on a Sunday. So I've I've went through the party life pretty, pretty extensively <laughs> to the point where like this shit is old, man. It's not for me no more. So, but yeah. So Lots so you stuff. um, sixteen get the car impounded. Yeah, and two then... days after, dude, it was fucked up because I got the car. I went home and I've already had parts. I've already bought parts before. I already knew what I wanted. Uh-huh. So I went and I bought lowering springs. I think I had uh, some new speed races, um, got like a strut tower bar, like you know those fucking gay ass seatbelt pads. For yeah, trust the I, pad. I, dude, I bought them, dude. Those were hard shits back then. Don't even knock that. You know, yeah. I bought all the spray can shit to like you know you know spray can your interior, like paint your interior. Got that was you, like yeah. the hot shit, and then like clear cornering the fucking like the corner lamps and. Like, and this yeah. car was pretty brand new. Brand new off the lot. Oh, like 25 shit. miles on that fucking thing. I brought it home. I dropped it. I had. I bought a... I, I think the first thing I did was empty out the catalytic converter. Like, I took that bitch off and I fucking emptied a brand new one. <laughs> smashed it with a sledge and everything. Like, I got that shit emptied immediately. And then I had a, um, a pass-me-down ultra-flow muffler. I forgot who gave it to me. Uh, one of the Infinite guys, I think, gave it to me. And I put that thing on, and I thought this shit was hot shit, dude. It was fucking dumped on the ground. I cut, like, three coils off the race springs. This shit was on the ground. Like, it was two inches off the ground. I had a <clears throat> intake. Um, I think I had, like, those Nanology wires with the ground strap on. Oh, them. got Remember you, those got old you. School? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah. shit. Those things don't work for shit. <laughs> but uh, now we know. But, yeah, I had that. I had all kinds of little things, you know, shift knobs and stuff. And then... Um, did that on uh i think it was like a thursday night or something like one full day i didn't even go to you school. did everything yeah i didn't even go to school no way yeah my mom because my mom leaves early she goes to work at like six yeah so i was like she thought i went to school with her brand new she's like just make sure when you park it be careful you know don't park it where you're not supposed to you know uh-huh. and i was like huh yeah fucking all day like before she showed us she goes home like at five my shit was already lowered done fucking <laughs> Back seats taken out. Like, I was like ready to go to the street races, dude. It was the sickest shit. So, um, did all that and then went to the street races Friday night, dude. And, um, lo and behold, man, Murphy's Law, dude. They raided it that day. 
blocked off both sides of the street and just started handing out tickets. And then whoever wasn't of age got impounded or illegal or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I got busted. They said, yep, you're too young, dude. And you pull over, got out of the car. I thought I was just going to get a ticket. They, they straight impounded my shit. And I was like, fuck, what the fuck am I going to do, you know? Um, <clears throat> so <laughs> I was like so petrified at the the tow truck picking up the car because it was brand new and it was on the ground. I'm like, dude, this thing is not going to go underneath this thing. Yeah. And they fucking totally demolished my header. Like they fucked up oh, my exhaust tip no. was dragging on the ground. Like when they were picking it up, they did it on purpose too. You could tell like they lifted it up way too high to the point where it's like, you don't have to do that. You know, you just did it because you wanted to fuck my shit up, you know? Mm -hmm. So I got that. I got a ticket for smoking, fucking curfew ticket, lowering, blue headlights, clear corner lamps. They got me for fucking everything. Modified exhaust. Like, uh, this was just like right after you put it all on. Dude, the second day, dude. Fuck. I swear to God, it was so fucked up. I got my ass whipped when I got home. Really? Because my car wasn't there and I was home. I yeah. had nowhere else to go, you know? And it was the weekend. So the car was literally stuck in impound till fucking Monday. So what did you tell your parents? I told them I went to the, I couldn't tell them shit. I was like, dude, mom, I got my fucking car impounded because I was out too late. That's all I told her. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell her I was at an illegal street race. Yeah. But she found out eventually because the cop told her like, hey, you know, we impounded because we raided this and they're doing very dangerous stuff with the cars and whatever. And then I went home and I got my fucking ass whipped by my mom. Was that the first time that they knew that you were into that kind of stuff? No, they knew that I was always into racing. I mean, you could see my room like fucking, there was not a smidget of wall paint that you could see. It was covered with magazines mm -hmm. and cars and they knew I was obsessed with that. So it was just natural, you know, like. My mom already knew when she came home. She was like, what the fuck did you do to your car? She like, knew <laughs> like, it was on the ground. Like, it would scrape out of the driveway now, you know? Like, it wasn't yeah. coming out of the driveway normal anymore, you know? Like, half the shit. Why is your seats out? Like, they're in the garage. Like, you know what I mean? A brand new car. She's like going, oh, my God. You know, this kid is fucking crazy. Taking apart a brand new car. But that was the life, dude. So, fast forward a little bit. That was where your, your uh, passion started. Yeah. Um, but you were into real estate. Yeah, I took a break from it all because at that time, man, I was, I think I was going through my phase, you know, my growing phase, my growing pains, you know. So I started, uh, I ran my own business very early, 17, you know. So um, <clears throat> I used to always hang out at this place called OHC Motoring, right, back in 96-ish. Mm -hmm. And I went through there because of like the Team Valkyrie, which was like, one huge crew, right? Like Valkyrie and Infinite were all like in the same neighborhood, you know? And um, I grew up with them. So they would pick me up and drop me off from school. And they all had lower cars, fixed up cars. They all went to Granada, you know, like that was the era, you know, like the car era. And <clears throat> so being in all of that became what it is now. Like, I think it somewhat like molded me into this fucking crazy obsessive kid you know what i mean and i when that happened i just was that shithead kid that never left you know what i mean like it's like i went to the shop and i just kept coming back yeah for no apparent reason they didn't need to buy anything they didn't need to do anything all i knew was luke and 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 john and those guys they worked there 
before I did. And when I knew that they worked there and it was close by, it's just after school, if I ditched school, whatever it might be, there was only one place you would find me. And I would be at OHC. And I would be at the shop. And I would help Luke lower cars, whatever it might be, free of charge. I was cleaning the shop. The shop was a fucking mess. Cleaned it all, whatever it might be. It was a little hole-in-the-wall shop on Parthenia behind a bunch of industrial buildings. You would never find it. Like, even if I told you, <laughs> come over here, it would be almost impossible to find unless I kind of directed mm-hmm. you outside on the street. So I started my career there, 16 years old, just fucking sweeping and cleaning and cutting coils and installing springs and headers and anything that they needed to do. You know, they, they were predominantly body shop too. So, you know, sanding, primering, whatever, didn't matter, you know, grab yeah. parts from the store to bring it to the shop. Sure. No problem. You know, and the, the owner, Carrie, Carrie Eckert, which is, he's still very much in the real estate game and doing quite well. He controls like the Granada Hills area. Um, <clears throat> he was the owner. And uh, one day he was like, dude, man, this fucking kid won't leave me. <laughs> like he's always here. So he's like, hey, man, you want a fucking job? I said, sure. He's like, what do you want to get paid? I said, I don't care. You know, I honestly, I just love it. And I, I think I agreed on like $125 a week or something. And it was like nothing. But to me, it was everything. Well, for a 17-year-old kid. I, at that time, I didn't really care because I had money. Because mm-hmm. I was doing the whole backdoor rim game, you know. And I was like, <laughs> I had like G's, you know, like no problems. It was good, you know. Like I needed oh, a header. Shit. I just go buy a $400 head. It's cool, you know. Like, yeah. I had that. But I didn't really, ex- like, I learned at an early age not to say anything, you know, like, keep your business to yourself, you know, because mm-hmm. the more you expose it, the more you're going to get into trouble. So that's why I never told anybody about it. I was only a select few and some experienced people that ones that taught me only knew, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I just, I kept it to myself, you know. So, yeah, I grew up doing that. And then I got a job at OIT and then that's how I met Jeremy Lukowski and, and I got a ride in a CRX one day, and he took me on a ride, and that's when I was like, I need to fucking step my game up, because this motherfucking shit is a fucking spaceship. You Were know? you guys pretty close to age? Uh, no, he was much older. He was like a few years older. Okay. Right. Yeah, he was like in, I think at the time, like right out of high school or in college, and I was like in the beginning of high school. Got you. Okay, okay. At the time, so... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, once I went in and ride in his uh, CRX, it was overdue. It was an H22. It was swapped by Dr. Charles back at Pit Crew. Wow. Fucking thing was a maniac, dude. It was like all over the place. I mean, it's a CRX. Think about a CRX with that kind of power back then, and it was like gutted. It was strictly a street race car, you know? Yeah. And it was hard as fuck. Like, that shit was like my thing, you know? Like, I want to do that. But I had my daily. Mm-hmm. We all had dailies. That's what we grew up on and. We learned from our dailies, and we had to make sure that it was running at the end of the night because it's the only way you would get home. You, you know? had to be so, ready to daily. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, I can't swap my shit, you know, like, with an H22. How much is an H22, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because you knew, like, at then, I, I didn't know much, you know? Like, I knew some, but, like, that was, like, holy cow, a prelude motor? Yeah. In a CRX? I'm, like, I'm, like excel dfi that was the shit dude so everybody listening jeremy lakowski is drag cartel yes okay so yeah. it which is when, back then was el natural motorsports oh okay yeah, that's what he was when called. you uh when when you put it into perspective now it kind of yeah. it's kind of trippy yeah, yeah you yeah. know yeah. 
So, just to see where everything's have uh, yeah. have have evolved to, but where they started from. Like, Absolutely, that's sick. you know, like it's crazy how like I was fortunate enough to have mentorship like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I don't think a lot of people had that opportunity to have like a Jeremy next door to you, or like a ed bergenholz next door to you shit you know what i mean can you yeah. only imagine if i was like an oc and did that and dude my life probably would have been much different you know or maybe the same yeah but either way i had that opportunity you know so i knew at an early age i was like i need to stay around these fuckers at all times because this is what i want to do so i would be the little shithead kid that would just drive from shop to shop all the time i would end up like at oc and then somehow, some way, I would be at JG under JG's parking lot, and just watching people dine on their car, and I wouldn't know anybody there. Like I would be the lone guy, just just in the background, fucking drooling on all these dudes' cars, you know, like sick ass fucking race cars. So at this time, what what do you think gave you the courage to even do that? Because that's that's a really hard thing to do just to go somewhere where you're you're not necessarily welcomed or invited and you're just there i don't know i think my passion grew bigger than my eyes you know like i just i guess at an early age i just didn't care you know like what people thought you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i just didn't have that that thing where should i be here Mm -hmm. you know like it just didn't click with you did not like maybe you can call me fucking batshit crazy or dumb yeah or stupid fucking annoying or whatever you want to call it <laughs> yeah. or whatever a nuisance i was not caring not one bit because i was soaking it all in dude i was just like i would watch the little things like when they put the car on the dyno and how they strap the car and like you know i would pick up those little gems like that and i would just sit back and i would i would observe a lot like when luke used to work um i used to sit back and just watch him work very talented individual you know and very creative mind so um yeah that's how i learned man i was just fortunate enough to have that opportunity to just fucking hang out at like one of the premier valley shops of still Uh to this day you know like how did you get in that window like everybody always asks i'm like dude I was just that shit that just didn't leave. You just gotta you take know? those opportunities. Sometimes, Absolutely, man. and I and I and I try to and I try to feed that to my son and and anybody that I encounter. Like you have the same opportunities, you just have to have the courage to just do it and not give a fuck what anybody tells you. You know, like yeah. if that's what you want to do, then go do it. You know, don't let anybody stop you from doing what you want to do. You know, that's this is like it's a killjoy. You know, mm-hmm. like want to go skating i'm gonna go skating if i want to ride bmx's i'm gonna go ride bmx whatever it takes you know yeah and i think that's just the mentality i had when i was little and i never really left so that ambition i had really started early and i never and i thank god that i had it because it was obsessive like i couldn't go to sleep and i couldn't wait to wake up the next morning and be like i'm fucking going to the shop like hell yeah you know yeah and it was so dope you know so at that time it was great so then you started working at the shop yeah and then uh what ended up happening after that i mean a lot of things happened in that era remember when i was talking to you <laughs> like yeah from like 93 to like 2001 was like a lot happened right like very vivid very intimate moments in my life 
that I hold dear to my heart and like forever changed the game for me happened in those years. Everything after that was kind of like a blur. You know what I mean? It's kind of like it it wa- it watered down a little bit and everything was just normal because it's second nature now, right? Mm-hmm. It's nothing is like every you know, it still interests me quite a bit. I'm still very passionate about it, but back then it was like, you know, when you're young, you know, you're like into something, you're fucking into it like a video game. You're going to play it until like you win that level or that game, you know what I mean? Like you're just stuck on it, you know? Yeah. So I was stuck on import drag racing, like, and I literally got that influence from street racing and being around all those guys, you know, it was like the boom era, like, it's not like what it is today, or at least I feel like it's not what it is today, at least in our area, but I'm pretty sure it's still predominantly like that, maybe in, in the eastern states and the, you know, the eastern seaboard, you know, like, they're still popping over there. Yeah. But not as much as here, you know, because politics plays a role, too. You know, we're all we're all victims of our of our environment, you know. So, yeah, man. So you said that the the 90s, early 2000s, a lot, a lot changed. What are some like really significant things that that you remember happening or or memories that that kind of (coughs) molded you into the uh, person that you are today? God, I think it was just the luck of the draw. Right. It was when import racing Right when it started to become pretty popular, and then it exploded, right, being in the 2000s. So I kind of lived that era, you know, like everything was new and everything was innovative. Like people, this is what I miss, and I and I think what the industry lacks now is creativity of like doing what you want to do to your car to set yourself apart, right? Back then, it was whatever you could get your hands on to do and make shit work was your application to new findings right like new product line or whatever it might be because there was nothing for us right there wasn't headers there wasn't intakes there wasn't nothing right like all this started booming at then like the the industrial complex of making parts and overseas and all that stuff started happening then right like not a lot of stuff happened Pre-93, I, w- I would say. You know? Gotcha. It all started like when I was around. 95, 96, 97, 98 was like, dude, Trust Exhaust, HKS, like all these companies started coming out of the woodwork. Iceman intakes, you know, and then you got Drag Turbo Kits and Rev Hard was born. Like, dude, these guys were like coming out the woodwork, you know, like track fast track turbos and, you know bunch of companies that we can go down the list there's thousands of them right but so back then who who were some companies that were leading the innovation i think jg was the most right um and it was glad like it's so fortunate for me because it's all within arm's reach right it's all within this valley yeah right in socal and it's like it all was born like i think me, honestly, like the Honda game was all born within the Southern California range. Yeah, right? definitely. Like from OC to the Valley. That was the center point of how big it was. You yeah. know, like a small area, a blip in the map, but it was congested and like really concentrated here. So Valley Muffler to, you know, 
thermal and you know thermally dynamic or thermal development or whatever the exhaust company i mean sebring st springs progress new speed ibach all here you know Fuck. like we had the creme of the creme you know like at an arm's reach if we wanted to do something we could go and get it done so i think that's where a lot of the innovation came from was creative minds like lisa and gary gary is super smart like I love to talk to him any way I can, you know, like mm-hmm. he, uh, <clears throat> he fascinates me a lot. Like he has some fucking cool ideas, you know, Gary um, Kubo. Yeah. Gary Kubo. Is he still at skunk? No, I don't think so. He's, he was very much independent. That's why I was kind of surprised that he ended up at skunk. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, Dave is very influential too, man. Dave is a very creative, <laughs> very smart guy. That yeah, Dave is definitely somebody I would love to have Dude, on the Dave podcast. Dude, Dave is great. Dad. Like, he, he keeps it real for sure, you know? Yeah. Like, he's one of... I, I, I consider him one of my mentors, even though he gives me little tiny gems here and there. And very rarely he does. But when I do talk to him, I always pick something up, you know? Whether he says it a certain way, I pick it up. Yeah. You know? Like... I just, I think recently I just put something on my Instagram and I, or he put something on his Instagram and I asked him a question and I already immediately picked it up just by reading how he re- like wrote it. You know? So do you think he does that on purpose? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's just his personality. He's super, you gotta, I think very smart people, you have to think of them trying to communicate with you a little differently, you know? Yeah. They don't like give it to you flat out, um, but they give you something that you can work off of. That's just my personal opinion, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, man, I think, you know, back then, it's just, like, Ed and Ed Bergnolz and Bentlum and all those guys, all those OG dudes were, like, doing shit that nobody would ever think of doing, you know? Like, the headlight thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the whole removal of the headlight thing, that came out, like, in... 89 when some guy said i think it was on an og west side racer uh forum on facebook where a lot of the guys that actually started the scene like all congregate and talk and they were discussing something i never even knew where this dude went to sacramento raceway i think team i don't know split second i don't i don't remember right one of the teams up there fucking got into an accident and fucking his headlight fell out like his broke his headlight and like had to take it out and then immediately the car went faster right (laughs) because it was open to open element and the air ram was born yeah from that no way yeah that was such a cool story like he got into an accident so something that bad happened to his car actually it was beneficial yeah it went faster at the track which is crazy you gotta see those signs bro yeah dude and then Iceman was born with the scoop that was the very first scoop that people made like plastic injected um and it was like a conical shape it was great like that it's timeless dude that's still used today you know yeah much so so um i get I was fortunate enough to grow up around all that and then the wheelie bar and you know everything else that you know even ed and ron and uh, tom jung created dude back then the wheelie bar is forever infamous to be the 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 most major performance upgrade you can have on a front wheel drive car right mm-hmm. it is the wheelie bar which is fucking bonker shit right because you don't put a wheelie bar on a front wheel drive car dude this is you know like like anybody would have thought about that it would be like dude that guy's crazy but it worked and look at it now dude it's crazy imagine yeah. if 
if that series was still around and money was still funneled into it, you know? Who to say that the cars don't go fives, you know? So, oh, shit. Yeah, I, I truly believe that uh, front-wheel drive would be tipping into the low sixes right now, for sure. Just the way the shit's going. I mean, we're on a... You gotta imagine... Excuse me. Like in... Bless you. Thank you, thank you. You gotta imagine, like, where we are now, right? Mm-hmm. We're in a we're in a position where a streetcar with a fucking tiny tire is going sevens at almost two hundred miles an hour. That's fucking bonkers, bro. These guys didn't even do that with a huge tire and a wheelie bar, you know. Let alone like doing that now with nothing and just the like that's a streetcar, dude, you know. So you can only imagine with that much more performance advantage of like a pro car and a chassis car and turbo technology and has made leaps and bounds and aerodynamics and power outputs. And with much bigger turbos, they're not even doing anything remotely close to what we have now in a very much smaller frame, you know. So imagine if what they can do now, you know. So I think it would be... You'll you'll start seeing some of those old guys come out eventually. I keep knocking on the door, you know, like eventually somebody's gonna answer. You yeah. Know? So that's just my contribution to continuing to evolve the sport is to go almost go back in time, right? To bring back the past. Because in anything evolution wise, it history always repeats itself. No matter what and how hard you try not to, it always does for some reason, right? There's always ups and downs, and there's always comes frozen. Everything comes full circle, right? Yeah. That's what I truly believe. So, now do you do you feel that that happens because the older generation starts to feel like they're getting old and they want to attach to some nostalgia that they had when they were a child, and now they're in the position to sure. make that happen? I think that goes with anything human nature wise, right? You always. Um, it's comforting to know your childhood memories and going back to that. Like, you know what I mean? There's certain things that people vibe toward because it's what they had in their childhood, you know? Like, say, for instance, like, back then your mother fed you SpaghettiOs, right? Today, I still think SpaghettiOs is disgusting. Yeah. Like, it tastes like the metal of the can, you know? (laughs) It's just, uh, it's gross, but I love it. I fucking eat the shit out of spaghettios, <laughs> dude. And I'm like, mm, the tin can, like it, it literally tastes <laughs> some like some good fucking, tin. <laughs> yeah, some fucking metal tinge to it. You yeah. know? Like, I don't know, but it's just it's because it's our childhood and we hold those memories dear. And I think that's the same way it goes with uh any racing history, right? Like even the NHRA when the drag racing stuff was first born in the fifties, in the seventies it died. Like it was like almost went away. And then now it is like the craziest, most premier racing series in the world, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and import history is the same way, you know what I mean? It started in like, I think definitively like in 91 or 92, and then it like tapered off in 07, 08. That's about 20 years, you know? And then now it's on the rise again and it's fucking big and people got to see how really big it is and... And the stuff that I wanted to touch up on was like what Zoe said, you know, like a lot of the stuff I vibe with that dude because he has the right vision and the mindset to 
really believe that we can get back there. Yeah, you know? that's a... And the responsibility that we have as a community to, in terms, grow the fuck up. Yeah. Right? Like... Yeah, let's 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 get into that a little bit. Um, just to mention, this episode is brought to you by Nice Motorsports Management. Oh, nice! And, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's one of our sponsors for this episode. Shout out and, to Nice Ones. Um, and uh, when he did have his episode, episode seventy-one, if you guys want to refer back to that, he brought up a lot of good points and uh, gems, bro. It, it was it was really refreshing to hear his point of view and not just so much pointing fingers but actually giving um things that we can put into action and even more than that having the management company to back that to say hey if you don't know how to do it come with us and we'll we'll help you navigate from here it's genius because like uh what's that saying goes uh um i'll get back to it later but Essentially, is like uh, the education passed down, right? Mm-hmm. We've, for like the last, probably the last decade, we lost that, to be honest, you know? Like, <clears throat> when I was first in it, and I was really passionate about, like, um, teaching the younger guys, or like, you know, the, the up-and-comers, or the next generation of racer, right? I created this venue with, in collaboration with a couple other guys, like Clayton and... Uh, Art Turbo and names that you probably don't even know, like Buck and uh, Tyler Hara from AEM and well, pre AEM, but we all kind of congregated and talked about this stuff because through Honda Tech. And I created this thing called the Sportsman Alley, which was like an educational program to where people of the industry didn't really have the access like I had, you know, like I wanted to share that information solely just purposely for growing people's interest in the sport you know because it almost seemed like the there was a discouragement between like the racers that we had and then the racers that were trying to get there right they were like oh well you know you have more access to these things because you were in it forever or you know and i didn't want to feel that way you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. I was blessed to have those opportunities, but I think those opportunities became became reality for me because I chased them. You know what I mean? It's like what you are obsessed about. It ends up just happening. You know what I mean? It, whether or not, in a, even on a subconscious level, you know, like yeah. if you just chase something that you desire, it ends up being reality eventually if you work hard enough for it. You know, that's what I truly believe. So I wanted to pass that on. You know what I mean? Like. I had access to these things and <clears throat> excuse me so and i talked to people that maybe a lot of people can't have access to speaking with yeah. you know so not like now it's like you fucking slide into anybody's dm but yeah <laughs> but I, I mean i i can i can definitely agree with you on that and you know? um i mean that that's one of the reasons for this podcast is that sure. i'm able to have these relationships and conversations with Absolutely. people that I've built these relationships over the last 10 years. And I feel like I have a different relationship with say you or anybody, Guillermo or anybody else that we have on that we're able to, to connect at a certain level where the general public would never get that knowledge. Yeah. That opportunity to, to listen or to even like acknowledge what happened in history or like how people got there, you know, and it's just like with anything now, 
with like what Zoe said and like uh, how his podcast went, I think a lot of those subjects that touch upon like building the next generation or educating them in the in a sufficient manner to keep like uh, you know a level of of respect and you know professionality or professionalism. Yeah. Right. Um, not meaning like don't act like who you're not. You know what I mean? But just be respectful. You know what I mean? Like there's certain ways you talk to people that we can still vibe, but you know, be on a on a more professional level. Like see this, you know, like we can go all bad shit, fucking crazy, and just fucking talk to fucking craziness, you know? Yeah. And, and I think people will still get it, but it doesn't get any. It doesn't really get us anywhere or any level of respect. I think there's like a certain level, right? Like yeah. you get there and you're like, okay, me and you, we're on the same page. Yeah. You know? So I think that that. That doesn't really cross with a lot of people because they don't know how to present themselves because they were never taught that way. You know what I mean? Not necessarily they're brought up by bad parents or whatever or bad parenting or whatever. It's just who you surround yourself with, right? Yeah. Eventually, you say you surround yourself with very highly professional people that act and conduct themselves in an orderly manner. You're naturally just going to do that. It's just with anything you're laws of attraction you know what i mean you hang out with losers you're gonna be a loser you know what i mean that's just the way it is you hang out with successful people you just tend to be that way you know what i mean so if collectively the industry would do that same way and just be infectious toward another about being that professional and and holding yourself on that level it's gonna change overnight it yeah will, it doesn't matter what happened previously in the past because hey dude the past is the past. We're never going to be able to change anything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We have to live with our decisions, right? But at the end of the day is those decisions really do mark up to where we can be. You know what I mean? Who's to say that people aren't looking now and saying, oh, yeah, these guys are immature or whatever. Like, we don't want to conduct business. It's with these very kids. well happening. I yeah. Guarantee it. But if we change that and they'll be like, holy shit, look at them now. Yeah. That is commendable, you know, and that I think that deserves even more respect than if we didn't do it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, because the level of stuff that we get into, right, is like, let's just say, for instance, examples like like we've always conducted ourselves in a professional manner. But, you know, that really never draws attention. Right. When you're when you're just vanilla and just point A, point B, nobody really watches that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. You watch the news all day, shit, it's boring. But you watch something else online because it intrigues you and it's funny or catches your interest because it's off the norm, mm -hmm. you know? So we got to have a little bit of everything, right? But I think the platform now is if we really want, if people want to desire that and desire marketing partnerships and, and you know, brand ambassadors and things of that nature. I hate the word sponsorships, right? Mm -hmm. It just vibes with a lot of people in the younger crowd now. It just sounds like it's just, I don't know, um, just not a good word to use for me. You know, I like marketing par partnerships and I like brand ambassadors and something more on that level because it just got watered down, that sponsorship thing. Yeah. So, but you use it because people vibe to it. People understand about it, but it's almost like a career, you know, it's like you, you have to really work two times as hard to get as half as much, right? In sponsorships, right? Or marketing partnerships, right? 
So if you deal with the company and they say, here's X amount of dollars, you know, I want you to do, you know, if you do, if we give you $500 worth of product, you know, you got to give me a thousand, you know, I got to get a thousand. Yeah. It's a business decision at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, a business is not giving away fucking parts for free and then having nothing come back for it because that business is no longer a business. Mm. You know what I mean? So, um, the business has to stay afloat in order for people like me and other companies to evolve and to give back. You know what I mean? Can't give back if you're not making any money. It's got to be, there's got to be a give and take, you know? Yeah. So, um, you just got to pick and choose wisely. But I think, uh, if we were to do that, everybody would have to get on the page. You know what I mean? Well, and that's going to take time. I, how I see it, you know, I'm very, very critical of not only the race community, but the community in a whole, you know, the, sure. the, the import community, the uh, car show community, everything. I'm really, really critical about it because this is, I feel passionate about it. And when I see so much opportunities available and people not taking those opportunities, it's, it's a very frustrating place to be at. Um, I, I think, you know what? I feel the same way. And when I try to push people toward being, you know, uh, on that entrepreneurial level or like doing stuff for themselves and things like that and the freedom of business ownership, but that all comes with heavy responsibilities. You know what I mean? One business can taint a whole industry for a long time. You know what I mean? And put yeah. a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And, and that's come and gone in the industry for a long time. I've, I'm probably fortunate enough or at least proud enough to say that i never really left i was I, i've been here since 93 yeah so <laughs> i never feared away you know as yeah. hard as it, it got and it got hard you know like uh 07 07 08 was a tough time for me 07, yeah 08, let's let's get 07, into that if, if you want to dive into that well we started remember i talked about the sportsman alley thing mm -hmm. and, and i approached nhra about it and they were all about it they mm -hmm. gave me full access to any track available for me to do these venues and i think our first one was in las vegas um had like precision turbo in there and like m factory we had uh innovative mounts there was uh, quite a long list of names uh competition clutch was one of them drive shaft shop super tech a lot of the guys that i've already had relationships with i opened the doors for them first and then that trickled down to like VP Race Fuels and like Steve and all those guys over there. I don't think he works there anymore. I haven't talked to those guys in a long time, but that's a great company too. Mm -hmm. You know, like um, I really try to cater to the guys that are giving back to the community. You know what I mean? There's a lot of companies out there that are, you know, passionate about what they do and make parts and stuff. But I really tried to focus on the ones that give back. You know what I mean? Because those are the ones that really deserve the notoriety and the, the exposure. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, like for you, you, you've been in the import race community too, you know, like yeah. you give back and, and that's great, man. That's just even like brand awareness. That's something to be involved in, you know, not a yeah. lot of companies do that, dude. And there's a lot of companies that sell parts and 80, 90% of them don't do shit, you know, except take your money. Yeah. And that's, that to me, I just, I can't, I can't back that, you know, I got to back the ones that are doing it, you know? So with that being said, like any trade that that was really fun. I got to go to Indy, you know, and nice. And this was when Sport Front Wheel Drive was like traveling for points, and and I built relationships with Courtney Green and 
Ed and Ron and all those guys that I've always looked up to. I was finally like around them nice. watching. Dude, it was the greatest time in my life, you yeah. know? Like I've lived it, you know? And it was so cool. So um yeah, I got with uh Gary Rosh uh Roush, I think his last name is pronounced. He was the marketing director. I think he still is for NHRA. Mm-hmm. And man, he gave me a lot of gems, dude, you know? Like how how marketing partnerships work and how things, demographics, like data, like straight hard facts. And I learned a lot from that, you know, and how to put a proposal together. And like he gave me a lot of stuff that you would have to go to school for. And I picked it all up within phone calls, you know, yeah. like I would just call him and just bug him. You know, like that's how I was. You know what I mean? Even at an early age, you know, I was just there. Yeah. Like fucking guy, just leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> you know, like, nah, man, I'm here. You know, it's like, what do you want me to do? You know. So I was very ambitious. So um, that turned into uh, obviously not much because NHRA had that downfall with uh, Nopi. Right. Uh-huh. Nopi took over, and it was at that time where. Um, NHRA was at a crossroads, right? They weren't making money. Um, Wally Parks was the basically the director, the president of NHRA. And he was old. He passed away. And the moment that he passed away in 07, NHRA just fucking pulled the rug under everything, you know? And I think they did it pretty quietly. And the way they did it was smart on a business decision. Because if they didn't do it that way, I think they would have probably got sued. Because there was million dollar programs running in that in that uh, that time, you know. Wow. Like Scion and Toyota and Honda and every, <laughs> all the manufacturers were in it, dude. They were believing in us, you know. Yeah. Like they they really knew that we were gonna go somewhere, and it just came all crashing down like before our eyes, you know. And I remember this at SEMA. It was 07 SEMA when they announced the merger with with uh nopi Mm -hmm. and i was fucking pissed because gary didn't say nothing to me and he's like he's like i was trying to hint to you but i knew that uh, you know i'm sorry you know i couldn't say anything under agreements you know confidentiality agreements couldn't tell me so um he felt really terrible and he knew that the sport was growing and he was so passionate about our sport compact series you know and i got to meet a lot of people you know so we had this meeting I still have it on my Facebook, right? Everybody was there, or at least most part, everybody. You know, there was Gary Gardella. There was uh, Ron. Ron Bergenholtz was there. Uh, Chris Rado, Jeremy Lukowski, you know, Norris was there. Lon was there. Uh, Chuck Seitzinger was there. We had all this private meeting and asked whether or not we would boycott uh, Nopi for going, for any charity going with them instead of battle. Right, mm-hmm. Battle of the Imports was the, the one that really started it all, man. I mean, you can't knock that. You know, Frank Choi, Mike, and and the brothers, and they started a Battle of the Imports, where it all put front wheel drive racing on the map. You know, and um, we're fighting for that. You know, because we felt like it should go back to its roots. Roots. You know, it should go back to battle. You know, and any trade should be supporting battle and maybe we can influence that decision. But I guess they made a rash, quick decision because they knew that there was some legality issues there. At least if from my standpoint, I think there was because 
pro stock truck at that time in NHRA had that similar situation and they settled for undisclosed amount of money when they canceled pro stock truck. And can you imagine building a fucking hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar race car and then they're just like, Oh, sorry, we're not gonna have it no more. Fuck. People That's... were building those type of cars in NHRA Sport Compact. And they were just like, Bye. Nah. That was fucked up. You know? Yeah. And I that was that was sour, dude. That fucking that hit me right in the heart. As well as many other people had a lot more money involved at the time, you know? Okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and we'll be back in one minute. <gasps> now, son, you, you listening right now, I need to tell you something. Your life is in shambles. One of the reasons is, is the way you present yourself. Son, that t-shirt you got on right now with the stains and the bacon neck, that is not going to bring the honeys home. You look terrible. I'm not talking about your disfigurement. That's something only the good Lord could help you with. But what I can help you with is going to downstory.com. Go to that web page on the World Wide Web and just search DTWD. Yes, yeah, search that and you could get some of the official Downtown with Downstar merch. Maybe move out the basement so me and your mama could do the dick ball dance like we used to do 27 years ago when you wasn't around. Now I'm gonna go upstairs and give me a pop pie. You can get back to your little podcast. So it hurt. And I think a lot of people were spiteful and, uh, you know, the forums at that time were like the big hit, right? That's where like everybody got their information. There was no Facebook. It was MySpace. MySpace was a clown act, you know? That yeah. was like putting like costumes and like little like backdrops, you know, like the ba- like a bape pattern. On, like mine was like bape, you know? Yeah. Like I loved it. So I, like that was my back pattern. You know, you had like, you could like do all those things. And on you have MySpace. the song and <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The music, oh my god, how <laughs> immature was that, dude? Oh man, but but you know, um, that was that what's what happened, you know. We had this meeting, and everybody was like, Battle, you know, we'll, we'll support battle, we won't support Nopi, you know. Um, because we knew Nopi was in it for the money, they weren't passionate about it. I know that they, I can't, you know, honestly, I can't say that. I take that back. I just think that professionally that that wasn't the right choice. But I think they, they put on a good image of where their shit was big because their shows were huge. Nopey? Yeah. Atlanta? Oh was God. that where it was? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Atlanta Motor Speedway? Fucking half the goddamn state was the show, you know? Like, yeah. This shit was no joke. It was like I wanted to go there, you know? So um, I tried to get in touch with uh, Mike Myers. I think that's what his name was. Never contact me back fucking totally blew me off mm-hmm. like i was a nobody so at that time i was like fuck them so the best thing, the next best thing was hey frank what's up man you need somebody yeah i'm here and then i wouldn't leave him alone i just kept fucking knocking on his door you know just like hey what are you doing next year <laughs> and then uh, i ended up getting hired to do tech you know and i was uh at battle of the imports yeah, yeah okay in 2008 that was uh fucking great time you know and i really got close with like ed and ron and them because they were traveling with us mm-hmm. they were in the rig you know we were driving the rig around con- cross country and i would fly in fly out and, and this is somebody that you had pictures of their cars on your wall as a kid yeah yeah wow and it, like just 
became reality, you know? And I was just like, holy shit, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, so much gratitude involved with that, you know? Like, you just kind of sit back and like, dude, I get to do this shit, you know? Like, this is fucking rad. Yeah. Like, every day, like, couldn't go to sleep. Like, I was, my mind was like a hamster wheel, you know? Like, I'm like, dude, I'm going racing tomorrow. Yes! You know, like, fuck, you know? Like, I get to fly in and go racing, you know? So, that was really fun. And I met a lot of, you know, I met a lot of people and put faces to the names because most of those stuff at back then was forums, you know? Yeah. So, you would meet, like, all these forum guys and you don't even know them. And we just created great, great relationships and still, like, really close with all of them still, you know? Now, was this your full-time job when you were doing this? Um, no, I was splitting it off when I had the luxury to do all this because um, I closed my shop down in 03. And I basically went to the real estate market when uh -huh. it was the boom, you know? So, I got in pretty early. I got in pretty, uh, I wouldn't say early, but I got in a little late. But I got in when it was good, you know? So, um made a few bucks not much um mainly try to help a lot of people in like getting out of like two years and interest only stuff and and did a lot of hard money loans too to get the people that are got fucked from their mortgages back into you know regular mortgages and stuff like that so it was it was cool um and then during the course of that time obviously it was just office work so I had a lot of time on my hands, so I was always on the forums, like, yeah. every day. And forums turned into life, dude. Selling parts off there, you know, selling your used shit, you know, bump, bump, bump. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah, bump. yeah. You just bump, bump. all day, you know, <laughs> just bump, 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 bump. So it was fucking great, you know. Like I don't, I don't. Uh, I wish they still had forums, man. Forums yeah. were a great way to educate a mass amount of people that are involved in a certain area. You know what I mean? Because you can't really do that on Facebook, right? Facebook is like you go to this one thing and it's just, it's a sales to, you know, a sales, a seller's forum to use parts, to new parts, to like people going, you know, what should I do about this? Or it's just all mixed into one soupy, like just yeah. generic page, you know, like. You know, whether it be a sport front wheel drive community and it's just, it's all like clustered fucked, you know? That's why yeah. I'm like, I'm not even, I don't even visit any of those things anymore, you know? I just kind of like try to keep tabs and then that's it, you know, it's gone. But forums were great because you can go to a specific area like drag racing or road racing or any of those items or icons that are on Honda Tech at the time and it was great, you know? And then you had a classified section and then you had a classified section in the section that you were involved in you know like whether it be road racing or drag racing or car shows or whatever it might be mm -hmm. it was all listed there and it was badass yeah right? it was dude. and it built a lot of careers like they can't even say that they didn't build their careers off of that site you know mine definitely yeah. mine absolutely mine too man i was homeless when i was doing that shit at one point after, really yeah after the real estate thing crashed um we all spent money like idiots never saved a fucking dollar and put all my money into the race car or partying in Vegas and just, dude, we did it, you know? It yeah. was a blur. Like, we partied so much, you know? Like, yeah. Fucking party, partied hard. Like, we did it. Like, if you weren't, like, you were younger back then, but, like, a lot of the guys that I know now, they knew what kind of parties we threw. We fucking threw some fucking bangers. Bro. Really? Oh, yeah. White parties, black parties, New Year's, fucking Christmas, Thanksgiving. Dude. 
if it was a three-day weekend, we were fucking banging the backyard, dude. Like in Tony's house, like a mansion, you know? Like just fucking cracking off, dude. Yeah. Like porn stars to fucking celebrities. <laughs> what? Dude, we used to we used to bang out with Debo, bro. <laughs> Debo used Debo. to come over and Coolio, dog. Coolio <laughs> used to come over on the weekends, bro. All smoking weed and just everybody, dude. One side is doing oh, cocaine, the shit. other side is fucking smoking dude, weed. Dude, gangsters like, paradise, do it. Popping bottles, just <laughs> fucking bitches jumping in the pool, just like. Wow. It was a great time, dude. But then it all just came crashing down? Oh, yeah. The money was like fucking great and then it just went poof you know so we learned from there you know like so how did you end up to that point where you didn't have anywhere to live um yeah so uh, me and my mom generally never really got along all that well you know like Mm -hmm. ever since like 13 years old 14 i was always kind of like the rebel doing some fucked up shit stealing a car shit like that yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah not good but um so I didn't really have anywhere to go. So I stayed up at Tony's house, you know, and I was fucking on the couch, just fucking chilling, you know, and nobody was doing anything. You know what I mean? Like we were just kind of. This is Tony. control. Tony McCarta. Oh, okay. He was the owner of AWF, which is American Wholesale Finance, which was the real estate company. Got you. Got you. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. All good friends. He, uh-huh. At one point he used to work for me. Uh-huh. And I did the fiberglass thing. Since a custom fiberglass, when we were making fiberglass parts for all the race cars, uh, body kits, mm-hmm. sensei body kits. Uh, still to this day, I kind of run into a couple here and there that are still out there. It's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, it's like fucking, we fucking made that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mine, you know? So yeah. That was pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I did a lot of fiberglass back then too. I did everything, man. Did candy paint, did a bunch of stuff at OHC. OHC was great. It was great. It was no lack of resources. That's right. So he was the owner of that shop. Yeah, and he was and into retail. Or we had a retail shop and a body shop and a fiberglass shop, all in one roof. Got you. Yeah. Okay. Or two roofs, actually. Yeah. And then um, you didn't get along with your mom, and you were staying with him. Yeah. So, so it was, you were just floating around. I was just floating around, couch surfing, whatever. And then I had my truck. My truck was like in repo. Couldn't park it anywhere. Like I literally. When Tony had to get rid of his house, I was pretty much in my truck, just sleeping in my truck for one boy, you know, like it was fucked up. It was a fucked up moment, you know, like uh, went to the highest of the highs to the lowest of the very lowest. And I I kept it very quiet, you know, because it was for me, it was embarrassing to come from all what I came from to now, like, like looking at myself going, fuck, I'm fucking sleeping in my fucking truck that I can't even keep payments on, you know? That's, so what was your was what was your mindset at that time? My mindset was like, dude, man. I was, I didn't, I didn't sulk for a little while, like for a long time. It was just kind of like fuck, like for like a week or two, and then I was like, dude, get the fuck up and go do something. So I uh, was just banging on doors. I was selling everything like a fire sale, you know, like any parts that I had laying around. I would so I would sell. I lost my storage unit from my shop, which I was paying monthly, and it had everything in there, like blocks to fiberglass wow. parts to, you name it, dude. I had everything, like computers to, you know, people can build multiple, multiple, multiple cars from that storage unit, and I lost it because I couldn't pay for it. So that went off to auction, and I don't know even know what happened to all that shit. 
but there was a lot of gems in there. I had a lot of, you know, fiberglass pieces, maybe even some molds. I don't even remember. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, after that, uh, Honda Tech saved my life. I can come, I can 100% factually say that because I was on Honda Tech all day, every day. And that's all I did was sell on Honda Tech. I had negative like 760 bucks to my name. I owed the bank money. Damn. I owed the bank money. And then I got put on check systems. And you know check systems. You can't get a bank account within your name fucking for seven years. And that was me. Wait, what does that mean? Check systems? Check systems is a thing where like you go default on your account. Mm-hmm. And you can't pay. And you can't bring it up to zero. Then they'll put you in a, like a, almost like a collection thing. And then they'll collect the money. Garnish your wage. Whatever that is. Uh, the amount that it is. And then you're not allowed to have a bank account for seven years. Mm. Like you can't even get a bank account for seven years. So that sucked. And then fortunately, though, since I was in the real estate game, I knew a lot of credit unions. So I got a bank account through loopholes through a credit union because I dealt with them. And they're like, okay, we can trust you. It's all good. Mm -hmm. So they gave me a bank account. And that bank account got linked to PayPal. And then I, got, I was able to get a PayPal. Got you. And it fucking saved my life. So that opportunity allowed me to restart my life. You know, I had like a fucking 410 credit score. I let everything fucking go down the drain. Wow. I didn't have no money, you know, like I was just fucking doing whatever I could to make shit happen. You know, so you were just on your own on online Honda tech. That's what I was doing. It's like as long as I had access to a computer anywhere, I was bumping. So where would you use the computer at? um like either tony's house or i'll go oh man anywhere man to be honest with you fucking like little computer rooms or anywhere dude hotels everybody oh shit a hotel i was doing it dude i was like dude i gotta make shit happen yeah so i used whatever internet access i had at that time and um sold lines and fittings and stuff and then i kind of collaborated with a guy named johnny orm which mm-hmm. is Orm Brothers, which is probably um, a local hose and fitting company that's been there for God, forever, 50 years, you know, um, one of the oldest shops in the valley. Um, I collaborated with him, and that's how we started FCS, which was abbreviated as Fluid Control Solutions. So he would make the hose and fittings, and then I would sell them. So that was kind of like the partnership. So I was selling hose and fittings. That's and what year was this? Pushing it. Um, I think 2008, 2009-ish, like from the beginning Got you. realm, like where everything crashed and it was just like, we're fucked. You yeah. Know, we better get shit happening. So, um, yeah, that era was tough, dude. 08 to 2010-ish, it's pretty tough. Yeah. Well, I, I met you in 2009. Do you ever remember that? I met you in 2009. Me and Guillermo, we just talked about this too. We went to uh, to your pad to meet up with Tom. And was that 09? That was 09. That was probably right when I got like back on my feet. Yeah, because I was in um, Chatsworth. Yeah. It was a really nice house. Yeah. And yeah. you had already had the Integra. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it, it was definitely 08 um, when I went through that bad stint. Mm-hmm. And then um, I met my girl, Sandy, which was. Uh, the one that helped us get into that house. 
Got you. Okay. So I didn't have no fucking. No, I had a little bit of money now. You know, like. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. How how did you make that bounce back in like maybe less dude. than an hour or less than less than a year of yeah, time? It was just like a light switch, you know. Like I was just like, dude, I gotta make moves now, or I'm gonna be forever stuck here. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I it felt felt scary as fuck. Like you know, like you have nowhere to go. That's the scariest feeling, you know. That's why I always help whenever I can because I know what that feeling is like, you know. Like I see somebody on the road or homeless or whatever, I just chip out, you know. Like it's all good, you know. What I mean, it ain't gonna hurt you, but it's beneficial for them. Whatever they might use it for, I don't care. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just the gratitude that I have now is like, you know, just always try to give back whenever you can. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've thought about that in in certain situations, and you know, you see a lot of homeless people, and yeah, you don't know don't if they're it, you, you know don't know mean? if they're in, on drugs or whatever. But at the end of the Probably. day, yeah, <laughs> what what but, most of us are are looking for is, is a happiness. Yeah, and if and if I can give somebody happiness, sure. that's that's a benefit for me because I feel like I'm doing a, a good service. Yeah, and whatever they consider happiness that has nothing to do with me yeah. the act of happiness is already occurring yeah now i'm 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 not the person to judge anybody or to tell them to do anything i could just understand that look in this short amount of time these people can either have a a, a glimpse of happiness i could give that to them or i can just be another person to lecture them and add more weight yeah. to their shoulders i think the best feeling is for me is like giving something and not expecting anything in return you know what I mean? That's like self. That's like selfless. You know, that's yeah. like that's the most genuine you can be because if you're expecting something else back, that's a business decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's business. But when you're just giving something, hey man, here you go. You know, that's like just out of pure, you know, selflessness of just helping somebody. You know what I mean? That feels good. It feels great. Yeah. Like that is something that I strive to do almost every day. You know. So, but yeah, I mean, just uh. That was a that was one of those times where I, f I, I felt the hustle like I needed to feel that, and then immediately right after, um, Sandy, she bought she bought me my welder, and mm -hmm. that's what changed everything for me. She bought a TIG welder for me. So at that time, did you already know how to weld? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I've, I've welded previous years, you know for sure. But that was really when like I could like do like practice every day like just in the garage uh -huh. every fucking day just welding something buying shit taking scrap i was just passionate about having to do this you know like i have to find something to do because this shit ain't gonna last forever you know like i gotta get i gotta get going you know so um i pursued the car career again you know what i mean like the real estate stuff was done um it wasn't gonna bounce back anytime soon so my guys, my buddies were still doing it. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to the car shit. You know, I know, I know well enough to know how it works. And I was good at it. So I went back. And then during that 08 skit, I was traveling with a uh, battle. I was doing the whole Frank with battle thing. And, and I didn't get paid anything. You know what I mean? Like barely nothing. Like, mm -hmm. It was just like, you know, it's just there for the experience. You know what I mean? And... <clears throat> That happened, and, like, it's great now because now I have those relationships, you know, that I can go back on. But to really balance me back was Honda Tech. It's just selling parts, like, doing hose and fittings and selling and selling and selling and selling. And next thing you know, it just accumulated to the point where 
I ventured off on my own and I split the partnership up with with uh, Warren Brothers and I went solely just in the fabrication side and then I was like and at the time I was still working kind of with Nature and Battle and made the fuel cell rule and the diaper rule and then I started building those and then next year you know it started to become like a tiny revenue you know just to build fuel cells and sell them on Honda Tech. So touch on that a little bit. You were the one that was behind those those rules? Um, I, I wouldn't say behind the rules. I'll say that would be heavily influenced. Gotcha. <laughs> influencing them on those rules because, I mean, that was my agenda. That was my like, hey, dude, I need to build something. I need to make money something somewhere. And I think this is the most beneficial way, you know, because the cars are going fast. And to run 10 gallons of fuel with a car... That's going that fast and crashing. That's a whole lot of fuel, mm-hmm. you know. So if we could shrink that down, um, that would probably be safer. How know? much so fuel do you generally use on a pass? About a gallon. About a gallon. So it was just not, about nine day. gallons yeah. of just chilling. And we would have to literally fill it up that much because we would starve the pumps that are coming got out you, of the sumps. You, the people used you. to just weld sumps on, and they would rust out immediately because we were using like oxygenated fuel at the time. Nobody was really using E85 at the time. It was more like Q16 and stuff like that, that VP was bringing onto the market. Yeah. And then that trickled down to VP import, which is more volatile and it would just destroy gas tanks like instantly, you know, unless it was coated mm-hmm. and nobody did that. You know, everybody just welded on a sump and called it a day on their stock tank. But the sumps were very well, poorly designed and then it just ultimately ended up being just, you know, needed to get fixed. And I found the problem and, I, you know, figured out a solution for it. And then I turned it into a business. Mm-hmm. So the five gallon will ever be known as the one that created and started FCS Race. You know, that was uh, that was the product that I sold to get where I am today. And I now, still now, before that, um, when you were uh, teamed up with, with the, the other guys, mm-hmm. uh, what what were the hoses? What did you use those for? Like clutch lines. Got like you. Clutch okay, line got kids, you, got brake you. lines, um, like brake line replacements, um, handbrake stuff, turbo line kits, um, radiator line kits, man, you name it. Now, yeah. at this time, you uh, you wanted to team up with them because they would cover the the inventory? And yeah. Got you. So I wouldn't have no overhead. Got you, got you, got get you. get it at a substan- substantial discount and then sell it. Um, not a whole lot of money to me, being I'm sure you know because you make hose and fittings yourself. So yeah. you know that that shit is not cheap, you mm-hmm. know. So, but that got me by. I sold a lot. I sold quite a few of those things. And then and you then, decided you know, to take it the uh, fabrication side of things. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I didn't have a vendor. I didn't have anything. All I had was a welder and and an imagination, you know. So I reached out to companies to see if they could make me this, you know. And it was just over budgeted so i wouldn't make anything you know what i mean if i had it outsourced and somebody else made it wouldn't make anything so mm-hmm. i was like fuck i need a welder so sandy bought me a welder and then um and then that whole thing started you know <laughs> like learning how to weld and and doing that and i got all this stuff pre-bent locally through another fabrication shop and um just build my empire that way dude and then slowly but surely i saved i saved i saved every little dime i saved or i put back into the business and then i started buying equipment more equipment you know cutters grinders shears whatever Mm -hmm. and then um and then it started to do all the fabrication by myself 
and then that was great um that worked out really well and then uh partnered up with very briefly with this guy uh that wanted to build ruckuses at that time because mm-hmm. ruckuses were like the hot commodity and i was into ruckuses i was riding those motherfuckers like every day yeah like it was the thing you know it was cool so um i got with this guy and um through mutual friends and we got a shop and it was basically like oh here you go we'll pay for everything and you just use your imagination and go for it just build us you know frames or whatever you know got me the equipment it was it was like a pretty sweet deal mm-hmm. you know and that turned immediately into you're gonna have to pay for this all yourself we can't do it with you like you can keep the shop and you use all our equipment but you have to cover the expenses it's like what the fuck really yeah i was like what the fuck kind of shit is this you know and yeah. like half the shit was mine too you know so i'm like now I have overhead and I'm doing this and I was like, dude, I've done this from my house. I, I can just go back to my house and just do it there, you know? Like, this is like pointless for me, mm-hmm. you know? So that and that ended up that relationship pretty close, pretty quickly. And then I went back to the house and started doing that. And I think that's probably like late 2010, I think it was. I'm Got sure. you. 2009, I was still doing it in the house. And yeah, yeah. When we when we ended up rolling up to your house, you had the car in there, and you were actually welding yeah. at that time. I was working out with, you know, Chris Cook. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. I was yes. working out of his backyard when gotcha. I didn't have a place. Oh, okay. So Chris's backyard was kind of like my garage, you know, my go-to. And I built his brother's car, and, I, and then I started building his car. And he was going through some stuff at the time, and um, his mother approached me and said, hey, you know, help me out, you know, like, you know you know some personal matters and mm-hmm. stuff like that 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 they were going through and uh she reached out to me and i promised her that i would uh i would be there and i would help out you know so i've always stuck around that way and then like in parks fashion just wouldn't leave the motherfucker <laughs> you know? yeah. like come do this come do this come do this you know and then i was just like fuck this i'm just gonna bring my shit here and i'm gonna just do this shit out of here so that now I'm at your house mm-hmm. so you can't fucking say no you know yeah so that snowballed into chris getting back into racing chris was actually into racing with uh leslie durst and they were the ones the first to go nines on a b series with the crx with bubba tuned and uh bubba built or i think it's yeah bubba mm-hmm. tuned and bubba was a huge influence in the socal area too man like god damn man He's a smart individual too, man. He's uh, yeah. He I, he had some crazy engine programs, dude. It was like still to this day, people still, I don't think haven't touched up on what he can do yet. Really? You know? Yeah. Like a lot of gems came from those old guys that didn't have anything like access to anything. They just had to do it. You know what I mean? And then something comes out of that, like mutates into like this. Holy shit, that's awesome! It works. You know. And a lot of those gems are just now secrets that people don't share anymore. You know what I mean? Which is kind of disheartening in a sense. It's kind of like what Luke talked about on his podcast, right? I thought his was very interesting, mm-hmm. very great. It was awesome too, you know? Like, yeah, it was. His shit came about and it morphed great into... Great time. Yeah. It, like this guy just had an idea and a problem solve and it morphed into the largest industry for cylinder head development now, you know? And that came from just one guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So think about that. We had a lot of those one guys in our industry that trickled down to the automotive industry as a whole that's picked up huge amounts of innovation from guys like that, from the sport compact world, not from domestic world or any of that. Those guys were still 
uh, no disrespect to them they do great stuff too but a lot of their technology trickled from us from us being fucking these dumb shithead kids to being holy fuck they actually know what they're doing and yeah. <laughs> they would like snake some of the uh, those technologies and put them into their programs and then that's when you started seeing them fucking going crazy fast and using utilizing sport compact guys to develop programs for their teams you know and well when you uh, when you get to the point where you get into the industry and the industry is already booming and going and sure. summit and jags and there's everything going for yeah. you it kind of hinders growth and you think like why do i have to even push forward I mean, my grandpa did it like this. I'm just going to do it like he did. But in the import community, there was nobody, there was no grandpa to look back at. There yeah. was no, it was just, it was just the, the guys who just decided at yeah. that time, hey, this is what we're going to do. And you had to figure it out. And I think that brings a lot more innovation. Sure. Like with anything, like we were treated as the bad stepchild in motorsports, right? Still mm -hmm. probably. To oh, yeah. I would still bit. say, yeah. You know, like. We kind of get like, eh, we don't get the notoriety, the respect that we feel like we deserve. I think we're exactly where we need to be. Yeah. Just from the maturity level that we have. <laughs> and I just, that's just truth. You know, that's facts. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, a lot of the ingenuity came from the MacGyver days. You know, that's what I call it. I call it the fucking MacGyvers because if you didn't have something, you had to fucking make it. You know, and you would have to have enough balls to try it, you know, and a lot of that comes from people that didn't have much. You know, what I mean, I don't know if I heard this before, but um, I felt like I did. But it's like the most innovative guys are the ones that didn't have anything to work with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Make, they're like they took this table and made it work with their car somehow, some way, because that's all they had. Yeah. You know, what I mean. And it fucking worked. And then that trickled down to something a little bit better, a little bit better. But that first step stone was created by somebody that didn't have shit. And that's why I think the creativeness comes from people to that I really look towards and and seek like what they're doing and interesting in an interest of what they're into is the, the the guys that don't have much and that are doing something because those guys have brilliant minds. Because their imagination is taking them, they're taking something that they have from nothing to something yeah. that's functional and and works, you know? And it's just like the ingenuity behind it may be barbaric, you know, to some people's eyes. But for me, it's like, holy shit, that was genius, you know? Like, only people, <laughs> only people as ghetto as that would understand, you know, like, where they're coming from. Because if you're spoon-fed with all these crazy machines and all, doing all this stuff and not building anything by hand, it you lose the innovation that comes from it. You know what I mean? Like, you're just stuck on, this is what I know, and that's it, you know? like. But other guys are like, no, dude, I have to make this work, you know? Instead of, like, pushing a bunch of buttons on a computer screen to make something, they're making it by hand. So that, that guy is just going to be that much more developed and that much more refined on building things that can or cannot do from a computer aided machine you know yeah i think when you hit the uh lowest parts of your life or if you were born pretty pretty low yeah. on the scale of things yeah. you realize that life is still you're able to survive sure. at that level no matter what it is whether you're sleeping in your car whether you're eating terrible food or you're you don't have any money 
you're still alive and you're still yeah. it's, you're still able to work so if you have that same mentality when you do have those things you you're gonna you're gonna be able to to just build on that a lot more rather than somebody who's never been that low on the totem pole yeah and when they get lower than the part exactly. that they started at they're just like oh my god the world's ending <laughs> when the person who they started like way behind them will pass them up like nothing yeah because they have they have the resiliency to go on yeah they've been there and once you've been at your lowest point there's there's no lower than you can go it's it's only up yeah it's it's like it's basically puts you in that in that perspective of understanding hey man i've been through this fucking shit i've been run through the mud and i'm here now you Mm -hmm. know so it's much easier for the person that came from that era in that place where nobody wanted to do anything for you so you had to do it yourself and then now it's like that much easier for that guy to continue to evolve and innovate and do whatever he is you know being successful at whatever he wants to do instead of having something that's already like given to you like like a perfect analogy is like there's a part that you could buy and people will just buy it instead of making it themselves and making it like their own. Yeah. You know? And maybe innovating just a little bit more with less, you know, technology or less tooling or less anything and making it work. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys I love, you know, because, damn, dude, that took a lot of effort and a lot of, you know, mind power to, to come up with that design. Definitely. In order for it to work. That's crazy. And those are the guys that you really have to watch out for. Those are fucking deadly. (laughs) Yeah, dude. And that's that's kinda like me. I I I don't want to put myself on a pedestal because I never will. But I felt like that's why I have the performance advantage because at the end of the day, like I did this shit out of a garage with mm -hmm. a harbor freight grinder and a fucking imagination. I always say it, dude. I tell everybody we're the Home Depot crew. Because that's all we were. Yeah. We said, oh, man, just fucking go to Home Depot, grab it, you know? Now it's Lowe's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same shit. You yeah. get the point, right? It's like, we're like, oh, fuck, man, we could do that. Yeah, no problem. We'll just fucking use this or use that. Yeah. You know? We'll just go get raw material and just fucking bang on it until it fucking works. You Dude, know? that's why I love stories like this, bro. And that's why yeah. I really wanted to bring you in here. Yeah. Because I remember that conversation that we had when um, you guys were installing the wing on the heavy in the streets eg so the guys were doing that and me and you were just talking for like hours sure and when you were telling me about where you've been and the, and the things that you've accomplished and the things that you overcome that made me look at you in a totally different light and it, it made me respect you a lot more not that i didn't have the respect for I you but that, yeah. it's just it, it's a different level of respect And um, everybody listening right now, if you're having some hard times, shit, as long as you're not living in your truck, you were in a better position (laughs) than you were at that time. So there's people listening right now that that hold FCS so high and just see everything that you've accomplished and knowing that your humble beginnings that you had, hopefully it'll motivate them not to start their own brand or anything, but just to, to better their life and have the confidence that maybe they don't have at this moment yeah absolutely dude i think uh you nailed it on the head man i i see a lot of people that get discouraged a lot right i I run through a lot of people yeah right i mean during the course of this whole business venture i ran through you know tens of thousands of people you know and and stories to back it up you know so uh it's crazy like how people are so petty about like the smallest i'm like dude are you for real complaining about that shit 
people are just complaining about like the most dumbest shit it's unbelievable like like you get to the place where i was and you probably wouldn't complain any <laughs> you probably yeah, wouldn't complain as much when, you know? when you're able when you're able to complain yeah. um that means that you have a luxury yeah absolutely and for them to be able to sit back and just to talk about um just talk about me talk about you talk about our businesses talk about things that we should have done differently that's that's a luxury that that you have sure but to not to never to be in those positions to never put you yourself in those uncomfortable positions it really makes it unfair for you to to judge somebody else or to ho- to to be petty to them or whatever it is if you've never even had the balls to take it to that level sure and that's why i always say like i ask people that do those things you know when when the when the the situation is right, right? yeah most of the yeah, time yeah, i just yeah. keep it moving now you know i don't say nothing but most of these guys that are just sit out there and just you know throw shade on you or whatever cuz there's a lot of them out there right yeah and when we we're talking about that earlier where is this like dude what is it that you do? Like, what is it that you do for you to be able to sit there and criticize somebody else? Yeah. Is creations or or accomplishments or anything that they think, you know, that is good for them. That's just, that's their perspective. So you should respect that, you know, like they can't, you don't know where they guys came from, you know what I mean? And they're happy about doing something or going a certain you know speed or winning a certain trophy or whatever it's like people always try to throw some type of shade on that and i always kind of think about asking them what is it that you do you know and yeah most of the time the answer oh i just uh i work at verizon <laughs> you didn't, and you have no fucking say in the thing you know what i mean like have you fucking sanded a car down ever have yeah. you ever built a fucking body kit you know, these guys are throwing shade on like a side skirt or something. Like, dude, have you ever built one of those? Yeah. You know how much time it takes to build that? And they just don't get it. So it's the lack of appreciation of hands-on experience. You, you know? know what? I, I've looked at it so many ways, man. Ever since we've got into the community, ever since I've started, you know, um, if you were to look at Downstar in 2009, it, it would seem like a dumb idea to, to the general person. You know, I, sure. I would get it all the time on on um, forums and stuff like why am i gonna buy it from you i'll just go get it myself but it's just they didn't see the bigger picture you know so yeah. i've i've always went through through the negativity in these last 10 years yeah. and um recently as of late i've been looking at it through a different lens and and how i've been seeing things is uh i i really think that it comes down to um that person's happiness and their well-being um this is all a hobby for us i mean to us it's we're we're business owners and this is this is our career but we we're we're like the one percenters of it everybody else listening more than likely this is a hobby to you this is where you come and this is where you dictate it this is like you going to play video games nobody else is bugging you in this in this space so when you're in this space anything that happened to you on the outside uh however your your girlfriend made you feel if your parents yelled at you if your car's a piece of shit if your job life whatever it is right you come into this area and you see okay great this fucking guy he has his own what is he doing he has his own business but what that is is it's their unhappiness manifesting itself into something and they're attacking you because that's how they feel and they want to get rid even, of that feeling yeah, even like on a they don't even know that they're doing that 
but you got to be self-aware to fully understand what is really happening on another level and that's just experience and maturity you know what i mean yeah like, like when i see people do that and i'm like going man that guy's a fucking kid you know like Definitely. And people that I see, it's just the maturity business owners that I see, people that have been in this, this industry 10, 15 years longer than I have, I, yeah. I just look back and I say, what are you doing, bro? Why are you doing that? Like, do you not have anybody that's yeah. that's telling you, yo, this is probably not a good look for you? Yeah. You're, you're looked up at, you're looked at as one of the leaders of the community and you're just in the dirt with, with oh, these yeah, people? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, with people like... With anything that goes with the internet, right? It's it's a platform where it could be beneficial or it could be a position where it can expose you how you really are. Yes. You know what I mean? So <laughs> when I look at these things and I'm like going, you know, they have a lot of time to throw a lot of shade. That means they're really not doing all that much right now, mm -hmm. you know? Because at that time, I, uh, you know, we're all... You know, we grow up and we get older and we get a little wiser every day. But when you sit and, and you witness those things online, it's kind of like, it's not discouraging, but it's it's a point where it's like, oh, it's sad to watch kind of. Because it's like, you know, like that guy is probably not even knowing what he looks like on the outside. Yeah. And even though maybe he doesn't give a shit because he probably doesn't. But in reality, it's only killing his own soul than doing any harm to anybody else. And it does harm, you know, in certain in certain situations. But, you know, we're as business owners in in the in this industry, we expose ourselves to, you know, we're mm -hmm. all human. We all make mistakes. We do some stupid shit sometimes and we have repercussions for it. It's called karma every day. You learn from it. Yeah. You know? So um, I think with all that that says and goes about that is just be kind to people. You know what I mean? Because it's the that one attraction that you have is you attract what you want. So if you throw shade, you're gonna get it back. Yeah. In tenfold. And yeah. It's kinda like and that and that right there is a waste of time because now you're on the defense all the time. You're on defense, defense, like trying to, you know. And you could be reading comments or emails or whatever wrong because you're on the defense so yeah. if somebody words something in in a your, way that could flip-flop either way mind, your mindset changes because you're, you're in that negative state you're already ready and i've done it so many times that somebody will comment something yeah. and i take it uh, in, in a certain way because i'm used to just being on the defense people well, always talking we're shit we're passionate about we, what we love to do and we've we tried to we tried to be uh infectious on others to feel the same way you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i i love what i do you know what i mean it's not really work for me it's just yeah. i the only thing that i run on is time like i'm fighting time every day i don't fight with anybody but time you know like shit takes time to do you know you gotta have patience and to build things that at the level that i want to do them at like i want to be the best that i can be i'm not trying to fuck with nobody i'm just trying to do my own shit you know, and I like to share it once in a while, you know, and that turns into a revenue, you know. So, unfortunately for me, it's like it's been great, you know what I mean? But at the same time, there's always there's always people out there that want to like scratch at the wall, you know. Yeah. And 
you take it it's your own it's your own doing too you know what i mean how you look at things right you look at it as is this a negative thing or is this a positive thing you know or just don't look at it at all just like pay no mind to it you know what i mean because like i said you know uh nothing is uh, powerful without your reaction you know what i mean without your reaction to it it's powerless against you you know once you determine that and you understand that it's just like Nothing can fuck with you anymore. You can say whatever the fuck you want to say, and I'm gonna keep it moving. You yeah, know, there's certain things where I'll chime in, and I'll, and then you know, um, you could say it's kind of like fucking mind fucking, or you know, <laughs> yeah. just twisting people's minds up a little bit. But it's just my own little thing I do sometimes. You know, when I, when I get into a fucking heated conversation, I'll just do something and then I'll leave it alone. You know, but. In reality, I, I kind of regret doing things like that, too. Yeah. Know? Once you feel bad about something, you know it's just wrong. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, before you even type something or, you know, like, the way you feel. Like, if I feel remotely, like, fuck this guy or whatever, I just keep it moving. Because I don't want to waste another minute of that feeling on something bad versus something productive or something good. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I can totally change my mindset. I'm in control. I'm driving this fucking boat. You know what I mean? So don't let outer exteriors fool you. You know, everything's all smoke and mirrors at the end of the day, man. Instagram is all smoke and mirrors. I just use it as a marketing platform. Nothing more, nothing less, you know? So on my personal account, I just share it because my family watches me and that's it. You know, that's how we communicate now is through social media. And then most of the time it's just the good times, but people don't see the very hard times. <laughs> That it took to get there, mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, you have like, for instance, your hardware, people just see it as the hardware. It's nice and shiny. It's fucking badass. But you didn't see the process that had to go through the heat treatments, the fucking threading, the machining, the coating, the plating, the finishing, the packaging, the fucking, yeah, all the way down to the invoicing. There's a lot of work between then and there to get where it is now, whether you did it or not, that's still a process. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I look at it, I gauge it like that, you know what I mean? Like in life in general, you know, like anything that you do that you want to do significantly and do something that's worth any intrinsic value is going to be a fucking shit ton of work. Whether you start from here or start from there or start in the middle or be lucky enough to start at the very end, whatever it might be, that's going to be a fucking mission. Yeah. Just be ready, you know, and anything new or anything out of the unordinary People are going to ridicule it. Uh, riddle. <clears throat> I don't know how to say that word. I'm like lost, but <laughs> I'm tongue twisted and no, parched. I, I get but, what you mean, dude. You know what I mean? Definitely. Like, it's just. And what, what I think is, I, I think that people, they, uh, they don't realize the amount of stuff that they're able to put up with. So say you're working your regular nine to five job, your job, your boss is an asshole, all your coworkers, you hate <clears> them and you hate your job. You hate going there. You're still dedicating at least eight hours of your day to that, to something that you hate and something that doesn't make you feel good. Now, now, now you know how it feels to be on the lowest end of satisfaction with, with your job, right? Sure. So just like we were talking about being on the lowest end of income or wherever you started out, if you, if you are, if you look at your job right now and you, you are in a bad situation, if you don't like your job, you're not getting paid. That's pretty much the lowest point of your work career that you could be at. So if you can deal with those kind of issues, those problems and still survive, 
that means that you have it inside of you to be able to push forward and to build something on your own because building something on your own is never going to feel like it did when you're working for somebody else and who, who's belittling you and not paying you well and you're not having a good day out of it so i think a lot of it just has to do with perspective that people don't realize how much strength that they actually do have sure yeah i mean i wouldn't be where i am today if i just said fuck fuck this i'm just gonna go work at best buy Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah like and to be honest with you some jobs out there pay more than a lot more than what I actually make now, you mm-hmm. know. I just do it because I love to and it's not about the it's not about the money, so to speak, but uh when you get older, you know, finances just grow. It's just part of life, you know. When you were young, you're always looking for that 100 bucks. Yeah. And like yeah, 100 bucks, 100 bucks, 100 bucks, you know. And now it's like 1000 bucks, 1000. Now it's like 10,000. 10, yeah, yeah, 10, yeah. 50,000, 50,000. So it's like just exactly what you attract, you know what I mean? So evolution of growing a business is always going to be that way you start off small and then you want more and you want more and you just continue to fucking ride that bike you continue to spin those wheels with that pedal and harder you push on that pedal the faster you're going to go so it's all like you said it's all perspective man it's a it's a very treacherous road yeah and you're going to get a lot of flat tires and you get broken bones and you're going to fucking get thrown in the mud and people are going to fucking lynch you and try to drag you out of the mud by your neck and you're just going to have to fucking breathe and try to survive and stay above you know just like stay afloat you know tread water as much as you can and that's what business is you know every day it's a fucking fight you know so what what is the um what is the status of fcs today what do you guys offer what are the things that that are moving and how do you feel about the company standing as of today? Um, it's a loaded question, bro. <laughs> I think we're right where we need to be. You know, um, we're still very much growing. Um, I'm not a big company at all. I'm actually solely working right now by myself. So I do everything from the emailing, the phones, the internet, the posts, the social media, the messaging, the DMs, the grinding the welding the fabrication Damn. the sheet metal the drilling the fit ups the the taping the boxes yeah shipping packing uh, popcorning reordering parts restocking i do it all yeah the fucking hvac guy all the way down to the guy that signs the fucking checks you know like <clears throat> i have to do everything but you know glad that uh, we're going to have some good opportunity soon you know what i mean but you just got to keep grinding it's easy for me is because i did it there by myself Mm -hmm. you know i started by myself and then i grew into this thing you know that people think that we're a large company or whatever and um we're not you know just kind of (laughs) grew and bought stuff and bought more stuff to be more efficient at stuff and you know built my skill set and now i'm i'm okay Get it done, you know. Yeah. <laughs> get get it done. Get the bills paid, but uh, it's hard, you know. Of course, man. At that level that we're doing it at, um, I should say I'm doing it right now. Yeah. I always say we're because I've always tried to share my, you know, my experiences with my employees or anybody that's with me, that you know rides with me or you know supports me or whatever. It's it's a it's a team effort. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even my clients, my clients are my team too. You know they. 
They help me sell. They help me keep my lights on. Stuff like that. If I can't sell, I can't. I can't continue. So, I support them just as much as they support me. You know what I mean? Whatever I can do. You know, uh, especially the community. You know, like every if anybody knows me on any level, they know that I'm always gonna try to help any which way I can. You know what I mean? Because this is the this is the stage in which I I wanna. I want to be the best at, you know, and want to be the one that gives back and helps people when, you know, that feeling when you need the help the most and you can't get it. That was the most disheartening feeling that I've had. And I don't want to, I don't want anybody to feel that way. Yeah. You know what I mean, like definitely in the car game, it's like cutthroat, you know, people are just like, fuck this guy. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to help him. You know? No, and definitely do. I've, I've been in that same position, man. I think and everybody just, has, you know? Yeah. Just, and it's not a good feeling. Just growing and seeing people that, could have lent a hand sure and it wouldn't have it affected them at all yeah but they just didn't didn't do it because yeah. they they just didn't care think and about think about the industry right if we think about it now and how how segregated it is not mm-hmm. segregated i would say like there's people on the fence there's people on the other side of the fence and then there's people like us watching mm-hmm. right and you got to see, like, really put everything into perspective, right? The car culture from the car shows to the drag racing, drifting, whatever it might be. Everything is, like, com- like split up, really, right? Before, when it was started, when we all had this thing where it blew up, everybody was doing everybody's shit. Meaning, like, everybody was supporting everybody's shit. Whether it be car show stuff, we would be there. Drag racers go to car shows. Car show guys would go to drag races. You know? Like, it would be one big community. Yeah. And, like, we would, like, collaborate and and work together. Some way, some form would work together. Import Shoff was working with Battle. Battle was working with Import Shoff. Import Shoff was working with SEMA. SEMA was working. You know what I mean? It was yeah. kind of like, it's a, a huge pool of, of opportunities where everybody, con- you know, conglomerated together and, like, created this big empire. You know, I can call it big because it was. Yeah, it still is. But as where it is now, if we had that instead of having it. What's that word I'm looking for? Um, Basically, everybody has their own departments. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're just trying to do their shit themselves and not share information and just like keep it to themselves. And then um, just try to innovate themselves and then not share it kind of deal. It's like uh, it's compartmentalized. That, yeah, yeah, gotcha. exactly. Right, that's the word. <laughs> Fucking shit. So I, I'm sorry. I'm hey, like, this is my job, I'm, bro. I'm crashing down on coffee. This so is my job. I'm like <laughs> fucking zoning out. But no, yeah, that's the word, right? Where everybody was just kind of doing their own thing and just kind of keeping it for themselves and not sharing it. And I think if we were to completely 180 that, a fucking industry would like be huge. Like just like before, like. Everybody would like show off their shit and then go racing. Yeah. And now it's like, don't show that, you know, like don't post that online or don't do yeah. that. You know what I mean? It's like, I think a lot of that does come, come with uh, insecurity and it's insecurity in their brand and what they've built. I think so. And then also it's like a competitive factor because it's so much easier to start a business now than it was before. Well, wouldn't you want to compete with somebody who, who would help you push, push yourself to the next level like to make it an an even sure. playing field I, I think for me which would probably be like a dirty little secret is like 
if I don't get pushed in a certain way, I'll stay stagnant. Mm -hmm. Like, if people come and try to fucking step on my fucking doorstep and knock and be like, yo, you know, like, (laughs) come shit on your lawn a little bit. Yeah. um, I wouldn't be where I am today, you know? Yeah. I want to fucking be the best. And I want to try to be the best as I, and what I'm doing. I want to be the best at it. That's it. Yeah. I'm just striving to be the best. And whenever people knock on my door and say, hey, dude, you know, we're fucking, you know, I, I try to, I try to like collaborate with companies that are in the same industry. Right. And try to come somewhat come together and try to help each other out and like build this brand or build each other's brands or whatever it might be completely separate but just helping each other out giving people hands because i think there's an evolution to that like if we did that and if industry so to speak the the companies that are involved right now in my division and like drag racing and stuff like that if they would like kind of somewhat like congregate together and just like have a discussion about how to like do better batter shit like mm-hmm. share ideas almost the fucking thing would be like crazy fucking like innovative dude like people would be going so fucking fast there would be like so many different products out there you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i think not sharing those ideas become like they don't ever be they don't ever come into reality almost, you know, like there's a lot of ideas out there, I think, that are still haven't hit the market, you know, even me, myself, I'm, I'm somewhat guilty of that too, you know, I have a ton of ideas and I want to bring them to market, but I try to like somewhat see how the market is flowing and it's like, why am I going to give my technology to somebody else when they throw shade on me or, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a right vibe. You get what I'm saying? When yeah. It used to be before. It was like, oh, shit, those guys are coming out with headers or whatever, you know, like, fucking let's help, like, let's call them. And let's fucking let's use them and let's try to come together and make some better ideas. And then the product was formed and then the product gets innovated and changed and in and somewhat, you know, the next step up, the next step up, you know, yeah. and people kind of push each other that way in a positive manner. But it's not that way now. It's like. Fuck this guy. I'm going to fucking put him in the ground, you know? Well, that just takes, that just gives the opportunity to people that are leaders and that see that opportunity and make it come to life. And then sure. all the other people that are watching. But everybody hates everybody, seems like. <laughs> seems like that in the in the race community. Yeah. Definitely, definitely yeah. does. But man. even in the show community, it, it's not like they're throwing shade or whatever, but it seems like nobody's really sharing any ideas anymore. You know what I mean? I, um, from my point of view, how I see it is that there's just a lack of competition. And with the lack of competition comes a lack of innovation. Sure. And everybody's pretty much doing the same thing. You know, whether it's wide bodies, you know, stance cars, tucked bays, uh, repainted this, repainted that. I mean, everybody's just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. And no one's taking it to the next level because... There's really no no reason to. We're, it's very complacent right now. And, I mean, things are just rolling, but it just seems it seems so stagnant. It's been so long since I've actually been seen excited. Seen something cool. Seen you something know? cool like, and exciting. Like, wow, I've that? never seen that. Yeah. Who's that guy? I've never yeah. seen that guy before. Where's he from? It, it hasn't happened in a yeah. while. And because people are still building cars that they're trying to compete with 
from 2016. You know, right. people always, all the time, oh, I want to go to SEMA because I want to have a car like Big Mike's or Ryan's or something. I'm like, guys, you guys have to remember that Big Mike and Ryan built these cars in 2016, 2015. Like, yeah. they're done with that stuff already. <laughs> so your your goal is to try to be as good as these guys were in 2015 2016 when you know i'm sure that they they appreciate that but how as a whole community how are we going to make things grow you're putting it on the backs of of those guys like those guys have other shit that they have to worry about rather than building another car yeah it's like i think that's what the industry for at least for our part is like leadership right like if I really look at it now, like all the old school guys or the OGs, there's really no leadership role as much in the drag community, mm-hmm. right? And the show community kind of too. There's still some, I, I know that there's still some like old school teams out there. Like I've always seen Team Hybrid out there. Yeah. Right? Dude, we used to work on their cars back in like 96, 97, you know? Like I think that's when they were like, I, don't quote me on this, but I think that's when they started mm-hmm. is back when they're like 98-ish around there wow yeah so they've been around for a long time you know like james i think james was like the main dude i think i seen him recently too i didn't say hi or nothing yeah but i saw him because you can tell you know it's the fucking guy with the bald head yeah 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 he's always been (laughs) he has always that that distinctive look you know and i've always i've always seen him at you know he's like the hybrid guy you know yeah there's um, definitely guys that that are pushing the community forward but it's hard to push a community forward with millions of people in it, but you only sure. have a few innovative guys in it who are trying to take it to the next level. Yeah. And f- for what most of the guys have their own thing going on, so they don't even have to do it. Yeah. But they're doing it out of the uh, the the passion that they have for the community and wanting to see it do better. You yeah. know, I'll, I always try to do my part as much as I can, but. At the end of the day, I only have the same 24 hours that, that you have that everybody else has. I can only do so much. Sure. Yeah. It's like <clears throat> it's like what you put yourself into, right? How what What's worth it to you? You know, like what what amount of time that you want to put into something? It's all it's all perception. You know, like you look at something and you go, eh, I'm going to do, you know, if you don't do it 100, it's not really worth it. Yeah. You know? At least for me, you know, like I have to do something. It's got to be 100% or I can't do it. You know, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be half in it. You know, I'm yeah. gonna, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it like at the top of what I think is the best. And I'm just going to do it that way. And then, you know, fucking eat shit and just go back at it again. Try it a different way. Yeah. You know? So um, generally it's been pretty good. It's like I just like what I do. You know, I don't I don't mind. I don't mind the critics. I don't mind anything. I know what works. I know what doesn't work. I've been around the block a few times. So um it's just fun. Like right now, I'm just, uh, uh, I'm having a lot of fun. But at the same time, you know, you know, family and kids, you got to make sure that, that that's that's taken care of too. You know, that's always a big responsibility. For me, it's not so much. Like I just kind of do what I do and, and everything works out. Yeah. Everything eventually just works out. But I think it's just because of the, the fucking relentless fucking work ethic that i need to do you know like every day like i know that i have a shit ton of work to do and i just make small steps small progress you know like small meaning i get a lot of shit done you know? yeah like, you know what i mean for other people to think small is like oh well, you know just fucking write an email no I, I go through like 50 60 emails maybe four hours worth of conversations every day 
you know, like yeah. the cumulative conversations and some longer. Like I spent an hour on the phone today, you know, with somebody. Really? Yeah. I just fucking help them, you know, like if they ask, I'll help. Yeah. I, you know, I don't want to be that guy to be like, hey, man, I'm busy. Fucking go fuck off. I, I'll call me later. You know, just give that person the opportunity to talk and then we discuss and I'm, you know, I just fucking go down that rabbit hole with them you know and uh, help them out as much as i can yeah um one one thing about um the opportunities that the community has um a really unique day and age that we're in right now is that you don't have to ask anybody for permission so (laughs) if you feel that you have what it takes to be a leader in the community you don't have to ask anybody for permission you pretty much just start living by example and it'll grow from there because I, I think that there's a, a real hunger for that. And everybody's just getting tired of all the dumb bullshit and everybody making the community look bad. Yeah. So the, there's definitely opportunity for somebody to step up, even if it's somebody who has dealt with that in the past. I mean, today's the day and age where you can change at whatever time that you want. And as long as your intentions are pure. Yeah people are going to recognize people change you know like you know people come from different backgrounds and they have all this history that they're have on their back and they can change man they change fucking industries tenfold you know like it's just gotta if you want it just gotta go out and get it yeah that's kind of mentality that i've always had you know like i if i wanted something i'm just gonna knock until somebody fucking answers you know yeah so i think with the younger generation I really kind of take some responsibility on that, too, is because I was involved in that, like high school, after school programs and stuff like that at Burbank High School. I said, just hang out. Yeah. And like hang out with the kids, man, because kids are just more honest and more genuine about things if they have interest in something, you know, whether it be old. I'm not saying the older guys are not as interested, but, you know, once you it's a different feeling when you get the younger kid grabbed a hold of and brought in you know what i mean it's like it's like trying to like raise a child you know and you see him grow and you see him interest in something and then he goes after it and he could just see the passion and this just the pureness of it you know and i've always strived to do that and i think there was a lack of that during the last 10 years you know we just kind of let things go and just see where it went because the internet was there everybody's a fucking online physicist and engineer and shit that haven't done anything you know so um it's it's hard to do that now but we still need it we we still all have to have a conscious effort to put that effort in for the next generation because if we want to continue to keep doing this man we all have the older guys involved Mm -hmm. we need the newer guys you know you gotta get guys to replace the guys to replace the other guys to and those guys need to replace the other guys, you know. I've, um, it was that one saying is that basically um, it, you got to take one and like basically got to take another per. Like if you get taught something. Each you, one teach one. Yeah, each one teach one. And then just basically as you get taught, you share those gems with somebody else that can share that gem. And then it's a trickle effect. And then eventually we only need one or two, you know. You know, you and that's why I say always be kind to everybody because you never know that day might come where that guy you treated like shit is going to be the guy. Yep. You know what I mean? Because I was the guy that got treated like shit. 
and now I'm somewhat of the guy. Yeah, definitely. You know? So I try to put myself there and go, man, you know, I never want to feel that way or I never want to make anybody else feel that way. So I push hard, you know, and I'm, I guess my passion is bigger than my eyes, you know, like I, I give everybody the same opportunity. I don't think I'm bigger than anybody else. I just say, hey, dude, you can do that shit too. And I think some guys are not really built that way because, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners, we're, we're a totally different breed. We think differently. You know what I mean? We don't think the same. I think a lot of the times when I get new guys, I push up on that, that area where you can do it yourself. Mm-hmm. You can do this shit. You know, they're like, oh, I can't do it. I don't know how to weld or I know. I said, dude, you're never going to know how to fucking do anything if you have an attitude like that. Just go ahead and try it. Here's a fucking machine. Go for it. You know, spend the day on it. See what you can come up with. Let me show me when you get back. And he's like, well, why don't you look at me when I'm doing it? I said, well, never going to. You're going to get some pointers, but it's only the hands-on experience that's going to get you where you need to go. You know, like you can physically do it yourself. You know, instead of being like some guy that just learns on YouTube or something, you know, like you got to get hand, you got to get in there. You know what I mean? You got to yeah. dig deep and you got to get in there, and you got to try to challenge yourself and get better. And I think um, it's a rare breed now. It's different, you know. It's uh it's harder now than it is there, uh, like as it was before, because before we just had what we had and we had to do it now the information is at a fingertip of google yep like shit man you don't even have to have teachers anymore to be honest with you so there's a lot of stuff that i talk about and i preach about where you should learn a skill set eventually you got a a skill set it's going to take you farther than just having you know some kind of other just commodity of doing work you know like a skill set's going to take you far because we're going to get over and run by machines pretty soon you know what i mean automation and it's coming bro ai AI is coming fucking it's already here dude like think about that think about how much that's gonna change the fucking whole entire world yeah it's gonna do it it's it's on the way and it's fucking scary shit like i think about it that's why i like touch back on the other subject of like ar and vr and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff we were talking about at lunchtime like it's like fucking holy shit. What are what of our kids going are going to go through that? You know what I mean? Like, like they're teaching shit in school that you don't even fucking need to know because you can just get that shit on Google now. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like we used to learn history and the wars and the civil wars and all that. Johnny shit. Appleseed. Man, fuck just, Johnny Appleseed, yeah, fuck bro. Them. Fuck George Washington. <laughs> He ain't shit, dog. He ain't done shit in a minute. <laughs> yeah. What are you done for me now? I don't even ain't like your... ain't nothing right now. You know what I mean? It's I like... don't even like your bill. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like... Uh, it's one of those things where even teaching is going to be obsolete, dude. Like teachers yeah. might even get cut. You know? Like people are going to learn from iPads and shit. You probably learn more now on that than... Because the kids pay attention to that more than they pay attention to fucking humans, you know? So... Yeah. It's a, uh, it's intriguing, but it's scary at the same time. You know, like when we were talking about that alien shit. Yeah, let's man, dive oh into that, bro. God, what what do you got? You really want to go down that rabbit yes, hole? Yes, I'm it's ready. Be another fucking uh, hour. Or so. <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear something, bro. Yeah, man, dude. So that, remember I was telling you about like I'm totally stuck on Joe Rogan's yeah. podcast, and I watch it 
Pretty much every. I don't watch it, but I listen to it every yeah. day, right? I just turn it on and I just go to work. And this guy, you know, um, Bob Lazar's just his recent podcast. But before then, he was talking to that one guy from Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, Tom DeLonge. Yeah, dude, blew my mind. Right? He sounded kind of fucking crazy at first. I think he was very hard with explaining himself, yeah, which think, made him sound crazy. Yeah, he doesn't know how to like, like. I guess speak about it or like put it into context where people kind of get it and be like you're not crazy yeah definitely <laughs> you know there's a certain way of talking right but with him was like i was like i was always fascinated with ufos and fucking aliens i've always believed that shit when i was little you know and i was telling you that that was that one crazy story where um i didn't tell you about yeah where it was me and my cousin were uh sleeping on the balcony outside which is kind of like a little camping thing right like you were 10 11 or something when i my first encounter uh-huh. right? encounters like not encounter encounter <laughs> but you know first encounter you know, like the first do wit- it. the first witness of me seeing some fucking crazy shit in the sky uh-huh. was when i go holy fuck that's not human yeah right and my cousin was there mike he lives in colorado right now and hopefully he can re-explain it because that might sound crazy right? yeah so I was, we were all sleeping on the balcony in my house in Porter Ranch, and the sky was fucking crystal clear. Like, not a light, not a lot of light pollution. It was like bright stars. You can see fucking, it looked gorgeous, right? Mm-hmm. That's why, perfect night, salmon D, summertime, in the balcony, fucking sleeping in sleeping bags. Watch. And how old were you at this time? I think 11. 10, okay. Something like that. Um, looking up in the sky, just laying down. Looking at the stars, pretty cool. Orion's belt and the whole nine. You know, you just look at your constellations and yeah. shit, and you try to pick them out. You know, oh, there, there's the fucking big spoon, yeah, the yeah, big yeah. dipper. You know, like you try to kind of connect the dots. And we're looking, and then we see these two. Obviously, they look like stars, right? But then the stars started to move very slowly. Mm-hmm. But then they fucking twirled into each other, and then disappeared really literally like you know like one of those swirly fucking emojis uh-huh it did that same pattern and then fucking bounced wow i shit you not. It, two did, objects you seen it leave or just disappeared no they just kind of swirled together and then poof they swirled together in a center motion and then when they connected they disappeared gotcha i looked at mike i was like you see that he's like what the fuck was and I was no like, shit. oh, my God, you saw that? I was like, dude, that was the fucking craziest shit I've ever seen. What the fuck was that? <laughs> and me in an aviation, somewhat of an aviation background because of my mom, mm-hmm. I knew what the kind of the limitations were airplanes. I was watching Top Gun. I know a fucking airplane can't do that. You know what I mean? Like Unless a fighter it's crashing. <laughs> the, yeah, the yeah. most fucking advanced airplanes at that time we had. So yeah. I was all about it. I already knew, like, I knew the limitations and the physics of uh, aircraft, you know? Like, that was my thing. I wanted to go to the Navy because that's how obsessed I was at that time. But when I saw that, I was like, holy fuck, what the fuck was that? And like, oh, we just went to bed. Never talked about it again. Yeah. I don't think we ever talked about it, but that was, like, my first experience where I was like, there's something out there. And then, then you start seeing, like, this was, like, 91 so previously there was like stuff on the news about roswell and all this other shit previous years or whatever you watch on tv on the news and it comes on and comes off it's like 30 seconds and then yeah you know it's like nothing really like important or 
of significance in our area, but in New Mexico, it's probably blown up on the news, you know? Over here was just like, oh, yeah, fucking this guy saw some shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like, whatever, right? And then, so I naturally vibed with when that guy... Uh, Bob Lazar? No, oh, no, Tom DeLonge. Tom okay, DeLong, yeah. yeah. When he was talking about that stuff, and then that whole trickled down to that fucking whole thing where he was going around and talking to all those guys and then getting getting with that a tip dude Mm -hmm. that was like involved like the main guy that's involved in aerial threats that are not of this origin Mm -hmm. and he was saying like you know this shit's pretty real you know yeah it's crazy and they had the shit since like the 50s or the whatever amount of time that they had it and then all of a sudden that bob lazar thing pops up and that shit blew my mind, bro. Now, did you know about it before the episode? No. Okay. No. I, I mean, I was always intrigued, but I never really dug into it, you know, all that much. But that Bob Lazar shit is fucking crazy, crazy one, huh? Crazy, dude. How he was talking about, like, that anti-gravitational device and, like, the, the reactors and how it's built. And he was the one that was in charge of the propulsion and the power output that that, you know, that UFO had. And he fucking said he walked in it and he was taking that shit apart and fucking like wild shit. Imagine dude. that, dude. Shit is like floating in the air and you're taking that shit. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? That's just some fucking Independence Day shit, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we got Eric. Yeah, we got one. <laughs> like, and nine of yeah, them. Yeah, he said he got nine. They had nine of them, or they do have nine of them at, at that Area 51 S4 location. And what really blew my mind was. You see the previous videos of him on the news or talk shows or whatever it might be. And it's like 1989. And he's talking about like this element 115 never even fucking existed until 2003. Because I just looked it up. I asked Siri and I was like, you know, yeah, what's LA 1000 or what's, you know, element 115. Element 115 was created, blah, 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 in 2003. It's like, how the fuck did that guy know? Fucking in 1989. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't make that shit up. Like, that's actually real now. Like, you literally have film of him saying it in 1989, and it wasn't even invented yet until 2003. And they're trying to just—they're trying to, you know, basically disown him from ever being involved in any of those programs, like Los Alamos mm-hmm. and all that shit. Like, they were just basically like, "Yeah, you don't work here." They like completely deleted him from the face of the earth on any paperwork yeah. whatsoever and this guy's like dude i work there bro like, <laughs> yeah people just don't hire me fucking straight out of high school to go in there you know like he showed them newspapers and shit and like he's on the newspapers newspaper stating he's worked there and he's a fucking physicist and super smart motherfucker dude. yeah and for him to say all those things and like it's got to be scary huh dude Dude, he has to be Can watching you imagine this. walking into a place and be like, yeah, here's a UFO. Figure it out. It fucking flies. I'm just like, <laughs> what? Like, who does that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Only the fucking government does that shit. And he, like, worked on it. And he yeah. was like, dude, he's trying to touch this orb and it wouldn't fucking allow him to touch it because the anti-gravitational fucking mm-hmm. pull that it has is like a, a magnet reversed and trying to put it together. It won't do it. Yeah. It's like physically his hand won't touch the thing. It's like a fucking force field. I was like, dude. That explains a lot, you know, like how all these things can move in certain ways. And then Joe Rogan was uh, was uh, talking about like 
what if in reality it doesn't like spaceships can't move that fast because they were talking about how it goes from like sea floor to twenty thousand feet in like one second and he was talking about how these spacecraft use this anti-gravitational device to bend space and time mm -hmm. because gravity uh gravity affects time so saying like these fucking things or whatever like move the space and time and then that's how that thing like shoots from one area to the next so it's almost like time traveling yeah right so you take one area and then you're just at that area so it almost like slingshots you in this other area and when you were talking about that um uh, tom delong when mm -hmm. he was saying like they were finding and they actually released those videos in 2014 of that occurrence that happened down in san diego where a fucking air or a ufo basically a 40-foot tic-tac object was flying like fucking underwater in the air all around like just bouncing off like what appeared to be like like a fucking glitch in the matrix yeah. right like it would be here and then it would be there one second later and anything human cannot physically survive that type of velocity change you know what i mean it's like it's like a bullet faster yeah. than a bullet almost you know if you can go from zero to twenty eight thousand feet in one second yeah the inertia of it would just kill you, you automatically you'd be you'd be fucking you know paced yeah you know like it's just a body would not handle that g-force yeah you know what i mean so it's like, it makes me wonder, like, if they can bend space and time that fast. So it's not really actually flying that fast. It's just warping through our gra our our atmosphere. It's just boom, boom, boom. You know, it's like flying all over the place. Yeah. And that shit was kind of crazy because, like, it totally makes sense. You know, like, how it would do that if it was able to control gravity? Because gravity controls, like, gravity is affects time. So you can, like change that timeline between how it gets from here to there but it needs to know location you know what i mean like that's how i feel i feel like something in it can say that it could be here or it would just like all of a sudden it'd be gonna be in the center of the earth and then die you know what i mean like it needs to know a direction to go to you know what i mean before it's yeah. safe to go i think with a lot of this stuff we still put the put our own rules on it yeah but you can't put your rules on yeah. something that you don't even know how it works yeah it's great it's like they were saying if you were to take a a nuclear rack reactor and put it in the victorian times like they wouldn't know anything that they could do with it and they would just all die if yeah they, they would keep walking by and they would just die and people would die <laughs> yeah. seeing what happened to those dudes and then those dudes would go like yeah hey. So yeah. it, it's it's us just trying to trying to justify something with yeah. the technology and the and the the knowledge that we have. Sure. But these things that we're we're trying to put a definition on, yeah. we we have no idea what they are. Yeah, and that Bob Lazar guy was saying that that element one fifteen is the fuel that it does got in order for it to make that propulsion yeah. work. Is element one fifteen, and he was talking about that shit in eighty nine. That's when I knew, like, okay, this guy's not no bullshit, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just straight facts. Like he said that in eighty nine, and it wasn't created until two thousand three. Yeah, and then now two thousand nineteen, they're talking about it, and it's like they're trying to disown him from, like, basically discredit him from yeah, saying yeah, those. Yeah. Like it's completely bonkers, or he's just out of his mind. He's doing what the fuck he's talking about. And it's and, and also everything that he said is so far like being confirmed as being factual. You know that's crazy. 
like with the whole hand looking mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. That's crazy too, where it like scans your bone density and shit. Also. Yeah. Have you watched a documentary on YouTube? Or on, on Netflix? I just Excuse watched me. it like two nights ago. Okay. I watched it twice. Like I fell asleep because it gets it gets. Yeah, I think I would probably middle. need to watch it again. I'm yeah. going to watch the uh, the Joe Rogan interview for sure. But was that time on the balcony your only experience? Yeah, that was like pretty much like the point where I was like, dude. Got it. It's fucking wild shit, dude. Yeah. And that happened in 91, you know? Like I'm talking like, dude, it's 2019. Can you imagine, like, like even us, as far as, like, from just the same timeline, 91 to 2019. Think about the evolutionary jumps in technology that we have now, right? Mm-hmm. We went from the payphone to a computer in our pocket. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Like, our, our phone is more powerful than that fucking PC that you have over there. That's nuts. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's this small, you know? We used to have these fucking huge just platforms fucking <laughs> running some huge heat, you know, like multiple fans. Like, <laughs> yeah, like fucking just crazy. And just like, yeah, I got this fucking 256 gig in my pocket. And that shit's like at like eight gigs. You yeah. Know? Like, what? It's crazy. Yeah. So you can think about like if that's actually real and they're from another dimension, which like he said, he actually explained it. It was in like uh, the. Yeah, I forget the name, but it was a, a where different... Kepler is. It's where Kepler, mm-hmm. where one of the first Earth-like planets that they found, like on the Hubble. Yeah. But it's like, how did they know to look there out of the vast mm. universe? The registration, bro. The fucking, <laughs> that's one planet <laughs> in that one area. You know that that's because they found that shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's like trying to find a needle in a fucking, in a field in Indiana. Yeah. Not going to happen. You know? Well, if there, if there's some kind of technology that allows you to travel a long distance with, within a short distance, yeah. That's like, a bla- yeah, like a though. black hole or something yeah. like that, um, they, that can definitely happen. Think about one if we ever, because they do have the element now. Mm-hmm. They've released it. So imagine if. That shit comes to fruition, man. You, <laughs> you have hover fucking boards just like Back to the Future. That's what I was talking about earlier. It was like, yeah, dude, that's what Back to the Future is going to be. We're going to fucking skate on hoverboards and shit and like craziness. So if we got invaded by aliens, how would you feel? Like, what would your energy be Well, it depends like? on if they're threatening or not. But Well, obviously, it's going to seem like a threat. They're not going to put sure. it like they're coming to be friends with us. I think it would be put off as a threat but what if it, it came down to it and you were I face to face i know that dude to be honest with you because if somebody you know already if something travels from that far to here it obviously possesses way more knowledge and technology that we can never even fathom yet you know we're getting there i think but if it was to happen now yeah we'd be all fucked what if they're just trying to escape something that's going on in there sure, because you never planet. know that's the the natural evolution of things right is to command and conquer mm-hmm. right? well that's the way the that's human us. evolution yes. is right but who's to say that we're not from alien yeah fucking planets and we just got put on here and then see it's like we're some kind of just experiment either you know <laughs> i think of shit like that no definitely you know I mean? like, Dude, yeah science is like yeah we just became from monkeys where where the fucking monkeys come from yeah and why are monkeys still monkeys yeah. <laughs> right 
Yeah. Like, dude, come on, man. You know, like, we're in an ant and we, like, evolved and, like, changed into this. Well, I was listening species. to, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Joe Rogan as well, where they were mm -hmm. talking about the orangutan. And they were saying that now they hunt with spears. There's yeah. been some that hunt with spears. Yeah, and, I just saw that. That's yeah, crazy. and if you think That's of that, crazy. that that like they were saying that could be a form of evolution. Maybe yeah. we've just evolved in a faster pace sure. than than some of those other primates. But ways sure, that but who it's like the the question is what come first, the chicken or the egg? You know, but you're just saying that the fucking earth exploded into this big bang and then all of a sudden a molecule was popped open and then we just morphed into this thing yeah. called the homo sapien like it's hard to believe you it's know? just a lot of uh, a lot of people trying to put um reasonings on things yeah. that you can't you can't define yeah you know the reason why we're, we're here why skin is skin and why exactly. blood and, and you know? water keep keep us alive like you can you can make any justification you want in your mind yeah. they can scientists can tell you whatever you want but at the end of the day like we do not know <laughs> yeah. and your your guess is as good as mine that's why it's like what if like there's more advanced species than the ones we've already been contacted with mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i always think about like if it's so far yeah you know they have abilities to bend space and time let's just say theoretically right and they get to one place or another very quickly mm -hmm. but who's to say it takes ex exponential amount of time to go from this galaxy to the next mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it might take a year which is extremely fast yeah but still at that rate it's extremely fast but what if it took 20 years 30 years 400 years 500 years from that galaxy to here but in reality their space their space and time is changing because of the the way they're warping through space right? mm -hmm. so they're almost like time traveling right they're not going to change in age all that much yeah but in our time 400 500 years it's a long time right we generations come and go four five hundred years right but for them it's only like a a few get what i'm saying it's like that whole interstellar movie yeah where they yeah, get yeah. On that planet and it's with yeah, huge gravity yeah. and it's just crazy and it's this fucking thing and they come back and it's 20 years later but they're only gone for an hour mm-hmm that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, what if they were already previously here, like during the ancient times, and they loaded some shit off? Because they said that those aliens that they found or whatever had some similarities in DNA. Oh, and really? They, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And that podcast. Yeah. And I was like, oh. I need to listen to that Tom DeLonge like, one again, dude. Fucking aliens. <laughs> That's crazy, dude. I think I have a little alien in me. Yeah. I got I mean, a little I'm, alien I'm dick, bro. Crazy, man. I, yeah, dude. I am fucking somewhat of an alien. People are like, damn, man, you don't age one fucking bit from high school. I say, yeah, I'm an alien, dude. <laughs> damn, bro. I, I think we can uh, we can definitely just go all day just yeah. talking about dude, aliens, especially, man. Yeah, out of the universe, I'm all about it, man. I'm fascinated, utterly fascinated about UFO shit. Like, any... You should see my Netflix, my list, dude. It's just unexplained. Your it algorithm is crazy. Yeah, it's everything in in the moon that Netflix has to offer about UFO yeah. shit. Like, un, you know, unidentified. I even got that on there, dude. And that's pretty cool, yeah. too. You should watch that. That's It's like four bucks or something. It, you can't get it on. But I watch it on Netflix. I just, or Prime. Okay, gotcha. It's like four bucks and you get the whole season. And I think it's on season four right now. But yeah, it talks about that um, the whole incident where the CIA released those those f footage of that Tic Tac. Oh, okay. By. 
shit was going some fucking really uh, speed dude i'm gonna look all that shit up and freak yeah. myself out if you, if you know like the physics of how fast an airplane goes and you've actually witnessed the airplane go like mach 1 mach 2 like even on video mm-hmm. right you can see like how fast it goes this thing was moving like five times faster on the water than it was in the air of one of our fastest aircraft that's but i'm talking like sea level mm-hmm that's hard to do because the air is thick there. Yeah. Compared to 28,000 feet where there's no resistance. Yeah. So it's like, you're like, dude, man, anything moving that fast is, and it was an object, you know? Like that right there, we don't have anything that goes that fast. That shit was going like fucking fast as fuck. All I hope, dude, is in my lifetime that, that something comes out. Yeah. I would be pretty excited about that. I don't know, man. man. Yes, fucking did. It's already scary enough for my children. You know, we all we all worry about, like, our kids and stuff and, like, the well-being of them and, like, how they grow up. And we always want to try to, like, reflect on how we grew up, you know, and feed that to them a little bit, you know, like, show them, like, some of the stuff that we get into. Yeah. I, I try to recreate my past through his eyes yeah you know what i mean like anything that i'm fascinated or interested about kind of i don't push it on my son but i tell him hey man go outside and play you're on your video games too much i fucking pull the cord right out of the wall Mm -hmm. and say dude get the fuck out of the house you know go ride your bike and even he had his first spill on his bike not Mm -hmm. too long right before we left from hawaii like right before we took our vacation to hawaii he he fucking ate it bro. really oh yeah he, oh dude he cased that shit bad like right in front of the house too i heard the crash but i didn't think anything of it uh-huh. and then all i hear was my neighbors pounding on my door going hey your kid is hurt blah, blah, blah. and i'm like oh my god he got hit by a car because it sounded like he hit something. yeah but i didn't think anything of it. it sounded like maybe a gate or something i don't know you know like but he bailed busted his whole face out, oh shit his lip open oh he was bleeding everywhere bleeding through his arms his knees his mouth oh his Poor whole thing, mouth was man. pouring <laughs> yeah he was crying like a motherfucker. <laughs> it's like shut up <laughs> i didn't know what to do because i was like oh my god i know that feeling you yeah. know like eating it for the first time and i was kind of proud of him because i was like dude you fucking ate it and you're still up you know like you you didn't yeah. break anything dude so I think there's like a elegance to falling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's certain ones where you fall and you just break your shit and you're just busted, you know? But he did it right. I guess he did it right when he fell. He got lucky or whatever you want to call it. But he, he got his first spill and he got his first hurt, you know? He lived to fight another day, bro. Yeah. So that experience right there is going gonna, is gonna to provide him with some fucking gems later in life, you know? Because he's felt that pain. Yeah. Know? And now he's like, he was kind of scared to get on his bike. And I was like, get the fuck back on your bike right now. Like, just get up and get on it. He's like, I don't want to get on it. He's like, oh, you know? Like, yeah. So I kind of pushed him on that. I said, look, man, if you're never going to get on it now, if you won't get on it now, you're never going to get on it. Yep. So get up on that bike again. You know, as much as you fail, as much as you eat shit in life, you got to get back up and you got to go again. So he got back up and he rode it and he's like, yeah, it's cool. Like, he's like. He's a little slower now, but <laughs> he'll warm Still, up to man. it again. Those know? are so, those are those life those are lessons the, yeah, that are, are very important, man. And and yeah. he's lucky to have you around to teach him that. Appreciate that. Yeah, definitely, it's, man. I, I think I'm lucky to have him. For sure. Yeah, and it's a blessing. Hundred percent, bro. As much as he's a fucking pain in the ass, um, when he looks back on this video, he he'll know that I'm a proud father. You know, he's uh, he surprises me every day. You know, like he's he's good. You know, like I'm, I'm not going to be worried. 
Yeah. You know, like, you know, when you just have that feeling, you're just like, fuck, you worry about your kid all the time. And I'm sure I'm going to worry about him, like, getting hurt and stuff and getting into some shit. But that's why I try to teach him early, like, hey, dude, you know, don't get into that stuff. Don't get into this, you know, or get into that. And this is why I don't do it, you know. So Mm -hmm. that's one of the parts where I stop drinking and then I stop smoking and stuff like that. Because, you know, that ultimately affects your kids, too. Because I started smoking when I was 12 because my dad was smoking. Mm -hmm. So I used to steal his cigarettes and just because I thought it was the thing to do. And then I knew that it wasn't the thing to do. So I would hide it and I would be smoking like all the time. And then I got addicted to it. I was 13 years old. And we used to buy cigarettes at 7-Eleven when we were 13. We would ask the older guys that play Street Fighter to buy us a pack of cigarettes. We smoked Fuck, it. 13 man. years old, dude. <laughs> you, had, you had a rough one, bro. Nah, I think it was all good experiences. I mean, it's definitely... I have more knowledge of certain things than other people because of the experiences I have, you know? Good and bad. Yeah. So, it just builds the character of who you are the more experiences you have the better you are going to be in life yeah as long as you learn from those lessons and yeah you have to learn you have to apply it yeah the lesson you know what i mean definitely damn dude before we get out of here bro is there anything else that you want to touch on no man just uh just keep grinding dude you know we'll have a lot of fun doing it and i think it's you know i gotta say that i am i have a ton of respect and gratitude for the people that do this you know what i mean because we all could choose different industries that yeah. are much more flourishing than what we have now but i think the passion is what sets us here and keeps us here we're here for a reason yeah there's good to be a, a whether we know it or not it's it's a valid reason why we're here and we're doing what we're doing you know and I just have gratitude and i thank everybody that supports us and supports our brand and supports you and and everybody that's in small business in this industry and it's tough you know like um i see people come and go all the time man i've been here since 93 so i've seen a lot of companies go and a lot of companies still around you know and those are the ones that are ones that are pretty genuine about it you know so that's good and i just want to commend everybody that's in the industry that are still doing it and i have respect for all of them you know i have the utmost respect for every single one of them um because it is hard you know what i mean it's a cutthroat business you know so. yeah i always like to to put in perspective that yeah. this is this is something that we brings get to us do what we love yeah you know dude I mean? this brings us so, happiness yeah. and um when we're at shows race events or whatever we have to realize that everybody else is away from their families at that yeah. same time everybody else is trying to have the most happiness that they yeah. can and if we kept that in mind it, it would maybe make things a lot more of, of a kind yes yeah, like environment. what Luke said right like we were we were once those people that we were looking in looking out definitely out looking in you know and i was just one of those dudes too that's why i think i have a different attitude towards yeah others you know like i just go fuck man i was the guy that was wanting to get in the you know like any which way i can you know but most of the guys now are just the two I think they're worried about like how others would react to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a lot of courage in that when people stick their necks out and do something different. You know, like in this day and age, this day and age and like being exposed on the internet and YouTube or whatever it might be and they just put themselves out there, that's commendable. Like whether it's in this industry or not, you mm-hmm. know? 
like kids are doing it now you yeah know, this is like a form of income that they do and they gotta produce content they, they're working yeah it takes it definitely takes a lot of balls to be your most genuine self and um i mean this is growing pains bro that's all everybody goes through that yeah some just like yourself you were you were the young kid and now you're the business owner that's that's the same for me and that's the same for so many other people in the industry and we're all growing at different times and maturing at different times and we're just trying to figure out how to navigate through this and sometimes you go down a path that maybe isn't the most desirable path to go down but but i think that's the exact path that you need to go Mm -hmm. to get you to the point that you you need need to be yeah yeah man so exactly where you need to be so everybody listening right now um if if you feel you if you feel that the community is in a negative place or you feel that there's there's uh, a lot more negative than positivity you it just gotta yeah, just gotta understand man this comes and goes everybody's trying their hardest and maybe it's not coming off the way that that they if it's not coming off right maybe they're not explaining it right and it's sure and it's and it's manifesting itself into some negativity or something but at the end of the day everybody's just trying to do their best yeah i think just people are just too sensitive you know everybody not needs too. to grow a little bit of skin you know what i mean like you need to get your skin, you need to get your knees a little skinned up and your elbows and, you know, busted knuckles and stuff like that to really yeah. understand where everybody's coming from. You know what I mean? Because everybody's story is different, but everybody's story is the same. Yeah. You know, we're all striving to be going in this one similar direction. But some guys take different roads, right? And Definitely. Some guys take bumpy ones. Some guys take the smooth route. Some guys just take the freeway. Some guys walk. Yeah. You know, so as long as the destination is, you know, point A to point B, you know, as long as you get to your destination that you want to and the goals that you want to achieve and get it going, dude, just all I say is just have some compassion for the guys that are doing it because that shit takes a lot of balls, man. It takes a lot. It takes a different kind of human to do it. You know what I mean? Because because literally you're putting yourself out there. You know what I mean? Just like. A reality show or whatever you're yeah you're putting your life on a pedestal and you're being scrutinized by people that have no idea what you're going through you know what i mean and they just and it's disheartening to watch people do that you know to some people when reality they're just trying to make a living they're trying to do their own thing you know what i mean yeah and be happy and do what they love and that's great you know but i think those people are necessary too because it hardens you and it gets you to the point where you you know that you can overcome certain things and it's a breeze after that. I mean, yeah, because you're never gonna feel what's great until you do what's, you know, what's, great's not gonna feel great if you haven't yeah, gone through pain. Yeah, if you haven't gone through the mud a couple of times, you know. Yeah, dude, so, definitely, man. But com- compassion, yeah. I, I I feel you on but that. I love one everybody sure. in the community, good or bad. I yeah, definitely. I I feel the same way, man. Much love to everybody in the yeah. community, business owners, people that are just in it for a hobby, anybody that's pushing this forward, man. We uh we got to keep this thing moving because if not, then our kids aren't gonna have this pleasure sure. that we have. Yeah. So um. So what uh, collectively, like finally, I guess in 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 closing, mm-hmm. is I hope everybody one day will kind of realize that. Put yourself in that position, you know what I mean? If you had the opportunity to do so and you can help somebody, just do it. You know Definitely. I mean? Just help them, you know what I mean? Whether, you know, it'd be a business transaction or you're just doing it out of love and you just, just want to genuinely just help the dude, you know, just go for it. But, you know, if, 
Yeah, keep the negative stuff to a minimum. You know what I mean? That's yeah. just, it's not going to help anybody. It doesn't, it doesn't help nothing at the end of the day. You know what I mean? All it does is just waste your time, to be honest with you. Time so, is the most valuable thing that we have, guys. Yeah, hopefully we can bend that soon. Because <laughs> I'm down, you know? Like, shit, send me to fucking Jupiter, dude. I'll build a fuel cell, dude. Don't dude, worry. <laughs> speaking of time, man, I know your time is extremely valuable, yeah, bro. And I really, cool. really appreciate you no, being here, I, man. I appreciate me. Uh, I appreciate you letting me be on here, man. It's a uh, it's a good uh, away from the norm, you know what I mean? The, yeah. The organized chaos at the shop is crazy, you know. So, um, but yeah, I'm gonna probably head straight back there and get back to it. Yeah, man. There you go, man. Before we get out of here, where can uh, everybody find you at? Um, you can find me on Instagram at FCS Race, and same thing as a Facebook page, FCS Race, um, and then. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, we're located in San, Fernan- uh, San Fernando Valley, Santa Clarita. Um, you can contact us through uh, our website, too, fcsrace.com. And, uh, yeah, man. Dope, Get it going. Keep, keep racing. Dope. I will definitely have all the info below. If you guys want to check it out, make sure you show Parker some love, FCS Race. And um, once again, I want to shout out Nice Motorsports Management for sponsoring this episode. I really, really encourage you guys to go check out the program that they have. This is something that's super exciting that they're working on. Even if just to learn. Oh, yeah, yeah man. Just to pick up, uh, Just to pick up a little bit of that... Uh you know literature that they're putting out yeah definitely man you go to their instagram better for you you know what i mean just to visit that and like kind of see their vision that's go soak up some game man definitely you can find them at nice management n-y-c-e-m-g-m-t or nicemanagement.com n-y-c-e-m-g-m-t.com once again guys jason park fcs race episode 78 we out